0: Hello friends, welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, inbies to Water We da Show, an Show, anime podcast that is a bad anime podcast, but we think that can be good. I am the subtle doctor, and I am joined today, as always, by uh my pod, my compadre, he puts the he puts the pod and compadre. <laughs> Uh, he is the, the guiltiest gear and the chromiest dome of Manchester. It's Shadon.
1: Hello everyone and a very happy uh, Earth Wind and Fire month to you all, Walks. We're recording this on September the
0: 1st. Ah <laughs> Just think of uh Freya oh. every, every September.
1: <laughs> oh, oh absolutely. I mean once this is done, I'm gonna be posting that video all over my own social media. <laughs>
0: Just on loop, doing is she doing the monkey or am I misremembering that?
1: Uh, it's something, it's, it's Freya, like m- she, she's having a good time,
0: <laughs> yes, that's what uh, and, that, and
1: that's all that matters, really. Freya's having a grand old time doing what she does best, and that's great, and that's one of the reasons Macross Delta is great. Although, we're not here to talk about Macross Delta, we're here to talk about, um ironically, spoils Macross Delta, some, a character who also doesn't have a great amount of time left on this earth. I really tried to try that to link those two together, and I actually think I did it!
0: That was a really nice segue. I, that was beautiful. It was tortured, but I did it. I did it, damn it. You got there in the end, just about. hmm So, uh, success! Uh, today, if you haven't uh, read the episode title, and you just clicked on a thing, you should know that we are talking about an anime uh, that Shadon chose for this time it was it was his pick and he picked the six episode oav series from 1992 which is just another era for the planet earth it was ages ago uh video girl i is what we're talking about
1: mm-hmm. yeah i have to mention some backstory on why i picked this um why it's been living in my head for a while um I first heard this oh, show. Oh we know. Oh well We yeah. know. Yeah. Come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't have to you don't have to explain that. I mean we need to This is not a family show, but we don't need to go there.
1: Well Shadon. I mean
0: Well keep that to your Twitter circle.
1: Twitter circle? I was gonna restart Patreon to put that on as extra content. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Uh no, let me let me explain. Um so Way back in the day, this being a couple of years back, um, I used to watch a lot of Bent the Sage videos. If you don't know who Bennett the Sage is, he's a guy who was at Channel Awesome, uh, which was the home of uh, Doug Walker, um, a man who, he shares some attributes to me, but the one thing we don't share is that he's a cunt, and I am not, at least less not I checked. <laughs> um... And on top of that, um, yeah, Bennett was like a host of a, a show called Anime Abandoned where he reviewed all the shows, generally speaking. Uh, there were some exceptions for um, newer things, but it's from there that I learned of various stuff that actually ended up starting to watch when I started getting into anime, like The Wings of Honobuys, for example. And Video Girl Eye was something that he brought up all those years ago when I watched that video of his on it. And. I haven't really thought about it since then, but it kept sticking in my mind as something that he generally recommended and I figured I should get around to at some point. So, fast forward to modern times, whatever that really means these days, and we just did Her, um, the whacking Phoenix, Spike Jonze film. Wait no, a no. Okay. you're about Okay, to make... good. The con... <laughs> the film. I mean,
0: <laughs> okay, all right.
1: I should have really left We're that good. just completely context- contextless and just ignored you if you started asking what it was about. <laughs> Would have been much funnier that way, but no. Um, we just of course watched uh her and talked about that on the podcast. And I did mention on that that would at some point we should really cover Video Girl Eye because it traffics in similar ideas and somewhat similar context. And in lieu of figuring out what else to watch right now, because my brain has not really been working properly lately, um, I figured, well, why not now? Let's cover Video Girl Eye now, immediately after her. Makes sense. We can follow through from that on some sort of thematic through line. And, you know, it's probably Jewish.
0: Make a lot of uh, pronoun jokes. You know, her, I... Mmm... <laughs> you know, get, get the grammar heads upset. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of which, I just want to mention on a quick aside, I saw a very funny tweet today. Uh, you, you will note that um, at the time of recording Alaska has just had an election in which uh, Sarah Palin lost. Um, so... Yay! Fuck you! Great, love it. I love that she's lost. Um, But they had um, a tweet, or someone tweeted where they'd examined the voter rolls for it, and found the gender data for it. And they had M, F, U, for unspecified, or or would prefer not to say. Um, I think one of the genders was America, another one was Italy. One of them was a string of numbers, and one of them I think might have possibly been something else uh so basically they built (laughs) they built this gross roll system to allow people to write stuff whatever they wanted on for gender which is actually not a bad thing to be honest but some people decided to put like their gender was america in there which made me laugh a lot the the
0: trolls the trolls will come out to play no matter what I i i don't
1: think they were trolling i think they just didn't read what they were
0: filling in also possible yes
1: I mean, there weren't there wasn't any more egregious shit in there like attack helicopter. It was literally stuff like um, a country name or a, a sequence of numbers. Which just, as
0: someone whose gender is also Italy, I had solidarity with that person in Alaska.
1: Absolutely, I mean, my, my gender is a uh, lefe, as in the beer. Mm. Lucky. <laughs> so anyway, that's all that aside. I think it was about time we covered Video Girl Eye because say it's it's kind of just flowed in the back of my head for a while. I've always meant to get around to watching it, but this being of course the follow-up to her uh the film, now is as good a time as any. Why not?
0: Yeah, I can totally see um the comparisons that uh that you'd be that you'd be making, that you'd be thinking about. I, I think it's really different from her in a lot of ways, but like it's, it's really not as cool good. That we're covering. Well, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, we, that's, we'll get that out there up front. Um, it's not as good. It's not necessarily as ambitious or whatever, but I'm really glad for reasons I'll get into later that you chose it. Um, cause I have, uh, I have things to say about the show as a whole and kind of how it made me feel. What it made me think of kind of some nostalgia that it evoked in me for certain things that I might that I have uh, myself only experienced in part. Can you have nostalgia for things you haven't lived? I think maybe you can. There's got to be like a word for that nostalgia for a time past that you have read about, but you weren't necessarily part of. Maybe that's just being a douchebag. I don't know. I but don't know. I don't I don't that's, I don't, that's where I'm at.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't think you'd be a reasonable. I think you can be nostalgic for a feeling like or a, a sense of a period of time like a what's that called? <clears throat> a, a zeitgeist? Is that the
0: correct word? Ah yes. The, perhaps. So this is definitely a word I'm gonna be using to talk about this show. Mm. Uh, when we when we get down to brass tacks, uh and get, get to the meat of our thoughts later on. But, uh, what are your, what are your big picture, um, what are your big picture thoughts? Like, if they were going to do a Video Girl I remastered, and they came to us and said, Waterloo Desha, we We need a back-of-box quote, uh, what would you, Shadon, give as your back-of-box quote?
1: Um, your average VTuber is better? No, I'm kidding. (laughs)
2: Oh,
1: that won't be the last VTuber joke I will make on this pod, by the way. Uh, so buckle up for more of those. It's it's difficult because I don't have a clean, I would say clean opinion. Makes it sound like I've got some sort of perverted viewpoint, but no. What I mean by that is, there's a lot to like in Video Girl Eye. and there's some of it I find extremely questionable. Like in in a (laughs) not just in a a taste sense, but also in an a narrative goal sense, like a what were they trying to accomplish Mm. sense. Cause it feels very muddled at times. Like, I see what they were going for in one scene, but then something they do in a different scene, or dare I say, the ending, completely goes against the spirits of what they were going for before. I'm not saying you can you should never do that in fiction, but like Yeah, it it is a curious beast this. It is
0: That's a that's your back of box quote. Dot 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 a curious beast. <laughs> I think that you've done it. Yeah, that's it.
1: It, it. Ironically, you could probably use the two female characters in this show, uh, I and Moemi, as perfect distillations of what the show is as a whole. One part of it wants to be I really think, fun yeah. and goofy, and one part of it wants to be really serious. And you know, bit oil, bit water doesn't quite mix. Mm,
0: yeah, that, that tracks. That tracks. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about both Moemi and, uh, and I, and, uh, and Takashi (laughs) and Yota. Uh, that's pretty much who this movie is about. Like these four characters. Um, should we, should we do the summary now before we do the, we're already kind of walking up to it here. Let's do, let's change the order. Let's get crazy. Um, you know, this is uh this is a, a wild sex comedy. Let's let's also be unfettered here and change <laughs> things up in, in the podcast bedroom.
1: Let's fast forward, um, shall you say.
0: Yeah, right. Uh why don't you, if you can, Shadon, since I'm leading. I was supposed to do the summary, but our roles have we're we're playing different roles, and I'm leading. So you're going to have to summarize, my I uh,
1: This won't take very long, funnily enough, because <laughs> um, it is only a six-episode OVA after all. Um, so we have... It is modern day. It is the far distant future of 1992-ish, like the 90s, basically. Um, and you know that because VHS is a thing. If you don't know what VHS is, you were born well after I was. Um, you you lived in the era where you didn't have to deal with just tracking control and all a bullshit like that. Um But this is in Japan, and we have our lead male protagonist, whose name is Yota. And Yota is pining after a girl named Moemi. And Moemi is pining after a guy named Sakashi. So this is the worst kind of love triangle ever, because everyone's looking in opposite directions, if you know what I mean. Like, no one's in agreement. Well, Yota is really depressed about this. He is very, very sour about the whole thing. Not towards Moemi, he's just generally quite, oh, no one like I I love her, but she'll never love me. Like he's lacks self-confidence, he lacks um belief, you know, that it could ever work out. So he just kind of like wistfully observes from a, a relative distance. Um but then there's a day when, you know, they're all hanging out together um at a fountain, and Moemi like admits that she likes Takashi while he's there, basically. So you can imagine all the emotional, like, you know, shell shock that causes to Yota. Takashi himself, I mean, I I should just come out and say it, like, is it possible for the devil to be, like, you know, shocked by the confession of love? And you might be wondering <laughs> why you're okay. making that comment, but Takashi has hair that makes it look like he has two horns on the side of his okay. head. Okay,
0: okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: We had to get this out there early. Like, I felt this is like something you have to get out of your system when talking about this joke. Because no one could look at Sakashi and not laugh.
0: I mean, just Jesus tap dancing Christ at a hair salon. What in God's name is on that boy's head? He, it's like his, he wants his hair to be a fucking gotcha man. Toku helmet like he's he's got he's let the hair above his temples grow and grow and grow while keeping the other relatively tidy and and he's got it all gelled back except for a, a lick in the front so he's got the front lick hanging down in the middle of his forehead and then he's got these two fucking helmet wings of hair just spiking out in the back wrapping around his head and trailing off behind him again as if it were a common rider helmet or some bullshit he looks ridiculous and he's a band geek not like a, a rock band guy but he plays like a fucking oboe or some shit and like there's a scene where girls are all like holding up signs and fawning over him like Oh my god, the oboe player with the weird temple hair. Like, how is this man a heartthrob? And that scene uh, Well, I can answer that for that you. That scene you're talking about in the beginning when she admits <laughs> like it's because uh Yota, Takashi and uh and Moemi are all there hanging out in town and Takashi hasn't been named yet, but Moemi's talking about this person she loves called takashi and he's like 20 feet away and she's talking about him as if maybe he wasn't there and so when i find out this dude is takashi i spit my drink it's like what what she loves this
1: guy what what in
0: what the world is happening Anyway, well, what were you gonna say?
1: I was gonna say, like you you've uh, you've already put all the puzzle pieces in place as to why he's a heart frob. I mean, he's got the devil horns for hair, he has an oboe. Clearly he is ensourcing all the women with his tunes on his demonic flute. You know?
0: Demonic I, b- I, I, is it an oboe? I don't really know. It was just wind some instrument, giant...
1: wind instrument, whatever it is. It, he that is how he like you know, gain all the, big the ladies. <laughs> he is he is manipulating them through mind powers using that um that flute that's that's my best guess um so anyway though so yes uh, a lot of like high school emotional drama going on here and yota is all like you know he's pretty down the dump so he decides to go and cheer himself up or try and at least do something to make him feel better and this is one of the comparisons to her a little bit which is he decides to go visit a video store and pick up a video girl um so for clarity a video girl it's a it was a real thing I don't know if it's still a real thing these days, given, of course, the changes in technology more than anything. Although the desire for, you know, for particularly for, well, for straight men, like, you know, to have female company like and feel like their love and, they're, and got affection is certainly not gone away. Um, but they were a real thing, and they weren't just exclusive to Japan. They they might have taken different formats. But basically, during the VHS craze of the early 90s, you could buy, at least in Japan, a video of a girl, a lady, Doing various things like going to the beach for example sitting and watching television and they would usually speak through the tv to the person watching the tape as if they were actually like their girlfriend you know like oh i made you like this meal and oh you look wonderful and all that and again Mm -hmm. not exclusive to japan and not even exclusive to like you know aimed at straight men there was stuff like for women of course as well in in america i know that much thank you red letter media um, for telling me about that so uh, it's that's a real that's a real thing that's out there. So he actually buys this video girl tape, and he starts watching it. And then, in a moment that if he had ever watched any of the Ringu movies, should made him leave the house and never come back again. Um, <laughs> a girl starts coming out of the television because his his VHS player is busted, and it's a bit shit. Although this will actually, funnily enough, lead into a plot hole that will come up later. <laughs> Right. But we'll get into that. <laughs> so Great. So the girl comes out, and it's revealed to be I, the video girl that he was watching on the TV just a moment ago. And she's real, like, in so far as, like, in a Pinocchio sense, I guess. Like, she's there. She can interact with him. She can touch him. So you can cripplingly injure him, you know? And so we've got this wacky situation now where she's going to stay with him because, naturally, his parents are either out. I think one of them's, like, passed away in the past. And... uh his dad is like out of town on overseas trips because of course
0: that's like that's like this is uh (laughs) (laughs) this is an anime the parents uh can't be around
1: yeah it's such a trope i think for stuff like this and i'm not even criticizing it i just find it amusing uh but yes this leads to all sorts of wacky antics and hijinks where i is basically busting his balls not literally um much as he otherwise might like that Uh, And he's trying to deal with the situation while also still dealing with his feelings for Moemi. Um, A key point to make is that the story is not just strictly about Yota. It does actually at some points involve Moemi, as in like it's about her inner feelings as well and how she's dealing with Takashi. To a lesser degree, I should stress, though, it's like Yota is the primary focus, but it does occasionally switch over to her perspective. So, yes, wacky hijinks abound over a couple of episodes. I really am abridging them because I don't have too much to say about the middle part. That's Uh, okay. Because it's very slice of life, and that's fine. There's some good bits in it. Like, there's one bit where Yota, like, cries and eyes eyes because, like, he's still dealing with his emotions over Moemi. But one thing that I've... He buys
0: her uh, a dress. There's a whole thing about that. She gets sick. Uh, There's a thing where, like, he decides he's going to be a children's illustrator for, like, half an episode, and he's just drawing shit all day. That really came out of nowhere. Maybe that was uh maybe that felt more natural in the manga i don't know but there there are quite a few things that are just sort of like hey here it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um so one thing i should
1: mention in the setup that i've not explained yet is that there is a time limit on this um because of the way yota's vcrs works and the fact that it's completely busted um he and like i will only exist in the real world for i don't know like a, a month or so like it's a long time based on the number of hours that are actually on there but there is a finite time there and that's from the case from the very beginning of the show they only have so long there um and then we get to the end of episode 5 and episode 6 itself and i'm actually not even going to tell anyone what happens in that until we get to the questions because you wouldn't believe me i don't think if i actually did, <laughs> if i tried um it's quite if, if you
0: if you have seen your fair share of science fiction anime from around that period, the early to mid-90s, you probably have a pretty good idea of how an anime story might get wrapped up, generally speaking.
1: hmm Yeah, it's, it's something, especially mm-hmm. given everything else that's happened prior to that point. So as, totally. as, <laughs> as, as, as I say, I am not going to um, tell you about it right now, i want to savor like us revealing it when we get to questions and talking points just just so you the audience listening at home wherever you may be catching this on just Mm. wonder what could possibly so batshit insane that i don't want to reveal it quite yet
0: yes let's just savor it like a like a fine curry cooked by a video girl
1: Mm. absolutely so, yeah, that's Video Girl Eye, really. I mean, it is, as I say, only six episodes long. I should mention that there are also, like, comedy skits after the credits. The actual episode, like, the meat of it is the usual 24-minute format. Um, I freely admit I did not watch all of these, because some of them were basically clip shows of stuff we'd already seen in the show, and I was just like, not doing anything for me, going to focus on the story instead. So we're not going to really discuss those all that much.
0: They were a lot of fun. I liked the Obake. Like, they before them, they had like uh next episode previews um and that which you know don't make a lot of sense now in the way you consume the show but but back then when it was coming out um i think that was pretty important and then they get to the omaki uh which is i i don't know if i've talked about that a bunch on this podcast but it's basically like little extras like skits and things that they animated uh just for the end where it's almost like, you know, the characters themselves exist in a sense outside of the story and the story that they are acting in is, is like a, a play or a production. And this is like a behind the scenes, like, let's talk to the characters and let's have some jokes and mess around and have fun or, or have some outtakes uh, and things like that. And there yeah. were a couple of uh, there was an interview with the manga artist. Uh, and there was uh, an interview with the person who sang the OP, who was a fan of the manga. Oh, um, and I believe that's it. Yeah, there were, when I say interview, very short. I mean, and nothing really um, beyond, like, it, it was very surface level. Like, you know, uh, what do you think about the characters? In a very general sense. And they're like, oh, they're great. Like, I really love them. And like, you should stay tuned for more of the show because there's only two episodes left. It's going to be great. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. Did they know?
2: <laughs> did
0: they know about it? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the mangaka did it. He was like, there's only one episode left. And quite frankly, I don't really know how things are going to be resolved. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> the production committee wrestled control from him. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't end in that same way um the manga was serialized in shonen jump i wish we could read it on the on the app but it's i couldn't find it
1: i i just want to know like if the if the episode end of episode five episode six um fear and loathing in las vegas we can't stop running are in backcountry now like jarring twist is a thing in there as well or maybe it reads better in the manga who knows but i'm gonna keep teasing that until we get to it um but, yeah, that's basically it I mean i, I though your Mackie stuff like I did watch it, but I'm not gonna say therefore that makes it bad. I just didn't I just caught up in and it was like, eh, whatever, yeah, whatever
0: yeah, I mean it's you know that's fine it's um i I think it's one of those things that is meant to like really appeal to like hardcore fans of of the show um and makes sense as like a video extra or something like that. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. A video girl extra no less. Oh ho. Hey, there you go. Right. Well, that's all I have to say really on the summary. Shall we uh shall we move steadily along?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um let's talk about some of the the folks that created Video Girl eye. So, I mentioned it was based on a manga which uh Let's see is uh story and art is by Katsura uh Masakazu. And this ran in Shonen Jump Weekly. So this was uh this was for yo young boys. <laughs> What's a surprise? Um, yeah, yeah. From uh nineteen eighty nine to September nineteen ninety two. Um it's about fifteen volumes, hundred and thirty one chapters. Wow. Uh and then yeah, yeah. Um uh, about six months before the manga ended, uh, is when the first episode of this came out. So they probably started up production, you know, in, uh, maybe even 1991. Uh, but, uh, this, uh, OAV came out from March to August, 1992. They released like one episode a month. Um, and what do I mean when I say OAV, right? Or OVA, whichever you prefer. Uh, That means original animated video slash original video animation. So this was basically uh, in a not a derogatory sense. This used to be in America before streaming anyway, like a derogatory term like, oh, that's a straight to video kind of a a proposal, a straight to video sequel as in this movie uh, or premise for a movie or whatever is not good enough for theaters, right? Right um this is before the television was home to a lot of like really prestigious and sort of you know things stories that were taken seriously uh by a lot of people um in in a, in that way so straight to video used to be this this pejorative thing but it but uh in the 80s and the early 90s in anime uh there was a a really robust straight to video market. Uh, there were, there was stuff that like, you know, people wanted to make short series, but uh, they wanted to make it at a pace that was not a weekly television episode. And so, yeah, there was a, a nice home video uh, scene there and things would come straight to video and, you would get these like one episode at a time and each video will be a very, very high price. And when you're waiting month to month for these episodes, you know, you can see how like things like omake would be, it'd be really nice. You'd feel grateful to have them. Uh, Value if you were from, really yeah. invested.
1: <laughs> Bang for your book. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about some staff. Um, and by the way, this was released in America in 1999, so seven years later, uh, on VHS, one episode at a time. So there are six VHSs of this floating around out there. Um, and there was a DVD compilation that was released in 2004. So the director of Video Girl I is Mizuho Nishikubo, and Nishikubo directed um
1: like a lot of
0: other OAVs, like they seem to be like I don't know, like really kind of in that space, like California Crisis Gun Salvo is uh, an OAV. <laughs> oh, <God>. um, yeah.
1: <laughs> what a name, what a
0: name. <laughs> um uh Karuizawa syndrome. Is is an OAV. Um, Purple Eyes in the Dark is probably my favorite name for an <laughs> OAV that he directed. Radio City Fantasy. Um, but uh, you know, there's also some uh stuff that people that people really like, um, that people know about. Uh, uh someone who directed uh several episodes of the Rose of Versailles TV adaptation. Wow yeah yeah right um and also is uh the chief director on zillion and the director of the zillion burning night oav zillion is uh kind of a 80s vintage like i think it's a. I can't remember if it's mecca it's definitely science fiction um but it's that kind of thing and it's it's got its fans as well um jump out machine here to you <laughs> another tv <laughs> show i've never seen some great names uh of these ag oh boy i've heard ag is fucking terrible <laughs> and they directed ag so
1: all right i'll take it uh, all you know of that for a future podcast then thank you very much
0: <laughs> i want to say that like uh that buggy and uh and, and his crew did an episode on on AG, Uh maybe there's like a Magane toast about it or something like that.
1: I, I hope um, they survived.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Um I want to talk about uh Toru Okada, who did the music because I really like the music in this.
1: It's very good. Um,
0: it is good. <clears throat> Pardon me. It it is really good. It's it's very evocative of games and anime of that time, I feel like. Mm. and so this person also did the music to dirty pair flight 005 conspiracy that mm-hmm. oav um and they did the music to time of eve um the movie and the net zero. Oh, i guess that's the same thing that's just a different way to consume that but time of eve uh as well and composed the score to pale cocoon Uh, Which I think the the similar group of people involved in Time of Eve and Pale Cocoon. We're going to watch Time of Eve on this podcast one day. There'll be a time for
1: Time of Eve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There'll be some Eve. We will watch it together. Um. So there are a couple of other people I'd like to highlight. The character design, uh, uh, Tarakayuki Goto. Um, I really I think the character designs in this show are. One of its strongest aspects, um, I, I think that they are really, really good. And to me, the thing that I remembered almost immediately, like, this made me think of Blue Seed. And sure enough, uh, Goto-san was the character designer for the Blue Seed television series. Ah. Um, uh As well as uh, a whole bunch of Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. They they had uh, a number of roles depending on which production you're talking about. Like you're talking about the Laughing Man OAV or are you talking about the second gig TV series? So sometimes they would be animation director, sometimes chief animation director. Uh, and and those folks are, you know, making sure of all the different animation cuts from all the different animators are like more kind of cohesive uh, and seem like of a piece and you don't have these big wild differences right uh and sometimes they were the character designer so um and also uh, here's the thing i did not expect after seeing video girl eye uh the 1999 hunter hunter adaptation um not the the same character designer The 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 2011 one has a different character designer, and that's the one that's gotten the most love because it is rightfully so because it adapts a lot more of the story. But I love that 90s one too, and gosh, I would I would never in a million years have been like, "Yep, this is that same person." So. Uh and they were chief animation director for a whole bunch of Kuroku's basketball. There's like a really huge CV. Also, they worked on AG. they were the character designer in AG, so there's uh the unholy union uh being formed right before our eyes. If you look, um,
1: if you're gonna do this, you go on <laughs> and Luisa. you've both gotta go over the cliff together.
0: Exactly. That was I feel like that was what happened. Um I don't know if AG was before this or after this. If they were like, we've made our good thing, Video Girl Eye. Now let's die in a blaze of glory. Let's, hope
1: it, let's hope it was before.
2: Mm-hmm. So they could recover. <laughs>
1: yes. I, I mean, yes. considering that in part Video Girl Eye is source of like 80% about recovering from previous like emotional trauma and just getting over like, you know, toxic feelings. That would be fitting.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Can I just tell you, like... It's, it's it's so funny that we're doing this. I haven't thought about this since in, in decades. I, I said this last podcast, when you brought it up, I was just like, Oh my God. Like I haven't thought about that in so long. Uh, Cause I never knew what it was about. I only saw it, the cover uh, of the VHS at my local Suncoast video, whenever a that existed and B that was where you went to get your anime home video. And I always thought it was Video Girl AI, ah. and not I. <laughs> so, um, I thought it was even more science fictiony than it turned out to be. It's rather magical, I think, in a lot of ways.
2: Uh, um,
1: question mark? Uh, who knows? Really? Um, mm. we'll, we'll we'll get to that. We we will get to it eventually. We will. <laughs> we'll stop we teasing. Will.
0: Yeah, let me just talk about a few more people here. I want to talk about Tatsuya Kushida because they are uh, the art director for this anime. And that is another one of its strongest aspects. And you might be wondering, so what does an art director do? Um, They, in a general sense, are in charge of how stuff looks. Mm -hmm. Um, not just the characters, right? But like the, the backgrounds, the objects, they're not like doing all of that labor, but just the, the concept. I think perhaps if you wanted to simplify it, you might say the art director is the person that might be the most responsible or one of the most responsible for the show's overall aesthetic. Um, And I think that that again is a super duper strong, uh, element of this anime and, um, Kushida was, they were involved in a lot of different stuff. Um, gosh, there's so much, they were a background artist as well, um, on stuff like, uh, Armitage the third and Akira.
2: Ooh. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Oh My Goddess worked on, uh, some art boards for that. Um, which are different than storyboards. I think it's more like idea boards. Um, and did some background art for that movie. Um, some background art for the first episode of Angel Cop, um, a favorite of of yours. Who's, uh, well, uh,
1: only only the first one. Commentary
0: will never finish it.
1: Only <laughs> will only never finish. Only the first one. Did they get out after that? I think they were like,
0: Nope. <laughs> yeah, they they, did, they jumped out the window. Um, uh art director for Uh, Here's the big one, right? You might be thinking like, okay, you know, uh, they did background art for Elemental Family or uh, they did background art for uh, a a little bit of Macross Frontier or Macross Plus, but Uh. let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This person, Tatsuya Kushida, was... Done. The background Done. artist Done. for Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow. And, and the art director, so the big cheese uh, uh, in terms of, of this particular, uh, this scope of things, for the entire uh, run of the four Evangelion films. The modern uh, one, Studio Kara. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Bloody hell! Yeah, fair places them for that.
0: There you go. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit, but um, I agree with you in that when the anime is really trying, when when I is trying, like some of the background, like and the shot composition, um, particularly like with the fountain scene that I mentioned before, it's really, really well done. It's very evocative of a strong mood, and and. Now into one of my talking points about how I watched episode one and was kind of shocked and surprised at it in a good way. Um mm-hmm. it didn't hold it didn't hold that level of quality in my opinion. But nonetheless, like it completely caught me off guard because I knew a bit about the show going in, but when you get to episode one, you watch it and you're like, they're actually trying. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: No. No, it can't be. yes yes they are trying they care oh that was funny
2: imagine
0: (laughs) (laughs) imagine
1: imagine that imagine oh my god the crazy of work actually trying
0: uh okay so uh i don't know about you but i watched this dubbed did you watch this in the english dub as well
1: nope i i went for the pure like the Clean
0: core, you know, okay. No- so, s- mm, okay. So, your your eye was in fact the queen herself, Megumi Hayashibara. Yep, uh, lucky you. We've talked about her before. Um, just a, a CV a million miles long, uh, and is has done incredible work for decades. Uh, she's she was Lena Inverse in the Slayers, one of my favorite roles, and she was also Miyokichi in uh rakugo descending stories and Mm. she's done everything in between including this this was actually this actually predates slayers by a few years so uh but she's been getting great work and doing great work forever both in terms of singing uh and voice acting so uh so yay uh but the the english dub uh is is what i watched for this um and i thought like as far as english dubs go it was good, especially for the um, era. I imagine. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean it's it's not that it stands above like a lot of stuff uh, of the era. I mean, it was made in 1999, so by that point, Cowboy Bebop was being dubbed, and Trigun had been dubbed and stuff like that, or or was about to be dubbed. Um, so, you know, and Roroni Kenshin was being dubbed. So you have like a lot of good. I think I, what I consider to be good quality dubs. Um, but this one was done by like the Canadian group of actors that did like the first run of Dragon Ball Z on Toonami and did Gundam Wing. And so oh. there's just Gundam Wing alumni popping up
2: oh, everywhere. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. Like uh, Yota is um, Brad Swale. Who you may uh will forever, for forever to me anyway, be Catra Rababa winner. Uh <sighs> the blonde haired uh goof from uh from Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. Uh, it could it, who's, who's an-
1: It could have been Wu It could have been the fucker who played Wu Okay, look, that's not fair. It's not his fault that Wufei is written to be a complete dickhead. But I just I can't just imagine, like, I'm sorry to diverge since we're going to Wing Chat briefly, but it's always from kicking a, like, beating a dead horse. (laughs) It's just... Can you imagine being Wufei's English voice actor, doing that performance and going home and then telling your wife, presumably wife, girlfriend, (laughs) like, what it's about and what he is? Like, yeah, he's a complete tosser, and you know what? (laughs) Nailed that performance.
2: Yeah
0: i mean and brad swale just sounds like that all the time like like uh like catra he sounds like uh he, he's there's no it's like johnny young Bosch who can only to me sound like johnny young Bosch.
1: i have a question um, was catra the one who had that scene in gundam wing where he yells in the middle of the city like in a really hammy way
0: uh, i'm mistaking
1: it for someone else
0: Boy, you're going to have to be more specific. I think that happens to a, f- a
1: few of the boys. <clears throat> every every one of the main five in Gundam Wing gets to Ham real hard.
2: Mm-hmm, some they do. Gets, some
1: they get do. to Ham more than others. <laughs> Wifey transcends from Ham into just being spam at some point.
0: <laughs> he's just the whole pig. Yeah. Oh, he's, Sp-
1: a, he's Sp- a pig, Sp- all right. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, he catra does go he he does have a mental breakdown at some like in the right in the middle of the show and he's like you know screaming a lot and his sister's like no and then he's like shivering oh. and he's like i'm so cold or maybe that's true i don't know but like fuck all those people <laughs> just that show is so wild and yeah if,
1: <laughs> if it's not lady and i don't want to know really when it comes to yeah
0: lady. there you go there you go. She well,
2: can just me really out the any
0: day. Hey, um, Scott McNeil has these bit parts. He's like the fisherman and the cop from episode four. And I'm pretty sure he plays duo, uh, ah. Maxwell in the English tub. The, the one with the long ponytail who was like, believed he was the God of death. And he dressed like, uh, he dressed like a, like a priest sometimes with the, the all black and everything. Um, and I think that Maggie Blue O'Hara, uh, who also was Arjuna in Earth Girl Arjuna, um, I think she did an awesome job as Aya Mano in this. Uh she oh boy, uh how do I say this? There there's like some there's probably some dubs that are acted with like more more oomph or have better scripting or, or maybe sound more natural or whatever, but there's just something so like playful and something so unique about, uh, Maggie's voice in this. Like she sound, doesn't really sound like anybody else, uh, doing anime. Um, so I thought she did a good job, but there is that whole quality of the whole production sounding kind of like, like sometimes it's like they're reading off a. I don't want to say they're reading off a card. That's not what I mean. Because like they're putting emotion into it and everything. There's just something stilted about it. You know, you know it rem- and it, un- unnatural about it.
1: It reminds me of when we talked about *Trigun*, and I said like that overall the dub is good, but you can tell sometimes that they're really working with a stilted script. Um, especially mm-hmm. when you have that problem that I've mentioned from earlier, like '90s dubs where they have like you know five seconds of dialogue in Japanese. And yet they keep it at five seconds for that given line. translates to English you have to fit so many more words in. So what sounds like at a nice normal tempo in Japanese, in English, sounds like, well, actually, I'm gonna give all this exposition really fast. So you don't like how I really realized well, to do this thing, but then I come because I thought, oh, I love it. I go bye. <laughs> yeah. where, it's, where, it's, where it sounds like that. Um mm-hmm. Bebop doesn't have that to my memory. Bebop is pretty decent about it, but Trigun yeah. definitely suffers from that. Now I can't comment on I of course because I watched it in you know I got my I got my crack pure basically you know I, I got my I got my crystal meth of high purity it's like Wilson White made it we got a sub Jesse we got a sub
0: I know you yep yeah, you 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 went straight to the source mm-hmm. no filter um but uh, Trish Ladeau was in charge of that filtration she translated it and wrote the the English script um. And it looks like she has a lot of experience in terms of like editing and translation. Like translated, like Ranma one half, a bunch of it. Um, and that's a very the, the TV show specifically, um, which was very popular, like uh, roughly around the same sort of time. Um and did translation and an adaptation for Mesa Nikoku, which is again like this other super popular, another Ramiko Takahashi, uh, thing. Um, and yeah, um, seems to be in charge of these kinds of things a lot. So they're a veteran and I think that they did a pretty good job here. Um, again, cause I, I did enjoy the dub. Like it, once you kind of get used to the rhythm of it, cause it does have that rhythm. Uh, you can you can kind of you get to this point where it's not like actively marring the experience, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So so I <laughs> I think with that that's like a ringing endorsement of dub, but no, but I think it's I think it's like perfectly fine, and there's almost something charming uh, and nostalgic about it uh, because I don't think a lot of these people are doing English dubs of anime anymore. Um, I think that Funimation. Uh, had their stable of people that they used. And now I guess Crunchyroll owns all of them. I, uh, that sounds weird. They don't own them. But like Crunchyroll now will make use of that stable of actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, I think, were or were located in Texas. And this was the Canadian bunch. Uh, so I think, yeah, they're largely out of the scene. Um, and that's sad. Uh, and some of them were very prolific. Again, like Brad Swale. Is in like a billion things from the turn of the millennium, so, yep. Um, that that's creatives for Video Girl I. Um, I think a lot of uh cool people did cool work on this.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like I say, I'm glad that the impression I got of like the creators trying on the original side from like you know who made the show that they extended as far as the people who dubbed it um, and works on the translations and such, like. For all its for all its flaws, and it does have them, and it has one particularly egregious flaw in my opinion, which I'll get to when we talk about the ending. I I will respect Video Girl I for trying, because let's also not forget this was the early nineties. This was the era of the OVA, as you mentioned. How many OVAs came out during that time that were absolute trollop? How many? Like there was just a deluge of utter shite where the creators yes. didn't care <laughs> yeah, the, yes. the, the, like, the creators didn't care, the animators didn't <laughs> care the voice actors didn't care, whoever like that on both sides of the pond for lack of a better phrase, people actually cared about making this show like and put F into it, is noteworthy and praiseworthy in equal measure
0: here here um okay so we we are now finished with this section shall we move on to patron questions mm-hmm. okay Absolutely. so so in this section uh it's what it says on the tin we read and answer questions uh well it's it's we call it patron questions it's just discord questions now um, I'm I'm my mind is casting back to you know a year ago now. <laughs> but uh but yeah, this is a section that if you were a member of our lovely Discord, you can ask us questions about the anime or whatever piece of media we'll be covering on the next pod and we'll answer them. We have to answer them no matter what. Uh and if you wanna be part of the Discord, A, you should, uh, because it's great. We have a lot of fun there. A lot of fun discussions with cool people. Um, uh, feel free to join by heading over to koficom show and uh, kicking us uh, the smallest of donations. Any d- donation of any size uh, will get you access to our Discord. Uh, we, you know, you don't have to support us or donate to us. Uh, we will not ask. For that uh from you for listening to the show but um we do enjoy the fact that the discord uh is not being overrun uh by assholes and so uh we are we are keeping it a, a close tight-knit group and so if you want to be part of that uh donate at koficom ficom show we would appreciate it uh and you would get uh all the benefits that come with being a member of our discord such as, again, the ability to ask us questions that Shadon is going to read right now.
1: Absolutely. Right, first pair of questions comes from Rackham. called the Rackham he's currently known on our Discord. First of which, if you guys decide to rent a video bro to help psych you up or encourage you when you are down or needed motivation, which anime characters VHS would you check out from Brobuster? Nice. Uh, I feel like, I'm going to make a bet, I reckon you and I, Will have the exact same answer. <clears throat>
0: who who do you think it is? It's
1: gotta be Reagan Arataka from Bob Psycho.
0: Ooh, that's a really good one. That's a very good one. I hadn't actually thought of that, but that is an excellent, excellent guess. I uh, mean not guess. Answer.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's great because he genuinely does help Bob. By the way, this me mm-hmm. will not be the last reference to Bob Psycho that I'll be making during this discussion. So hold that for, but like he does genuinely support Mob. But the benefit of him being a video bro is he can't also con me to do his like, like his lazy work, (laughs) you know. Like he can't like take advantage of me by when he's just a uh, a VHS character. Win win.
0: But what if he falls in love with you? I mean, that's going to be too difficult to for you to for you to handle. I mean, he is able to stop yourself. He is an internet
1: sex icon, so there is that.
0: Yes. Is it uh, Lisa Allen that has a tattoo of him? That's she has a lot of cool tattoos though. But uh, I'm pretty sure she has one
2: of.
1: Reagan. I I let's go with yes.
0: <laughs> yes, she has a lot of very cool tattoos of anime boys. Um, as long as one of
1: them isn't Bouffay, then that's fine.
0: It's definitely definitely not. Um, I don't know if Lisa is a Gundam Wing person. I, we should probably find that out uh, at some point. But no, um. Who would I choose? Like, God. Um, so if anyone out there has seen Martian successor Nadesco, uh, I would, from there, I would choose Guy Daigoji, Um, because he is like the parody send-up of uh, the big bro type. Uh, and he'll always get you fired up. and and give you encouragement um i also might choose um the bodybuilder from agretzco who says Ah. who only says protein um i would i would get them to when i was uh working out you know i'd want them to to stand there saying protein protein (laughs) and that would get me fired up it'd be it'd be super um, if he was an
1: infomercial video kangaroo boy then that would work even mm, better
0: exactly yes
1: is there anyone
0: else does anyone else spring to mind for you i feel like that there's a lot of good answers to this
1: oh god i only thought of reagan because i felt like it was i mean look if, if there are many horses on the track in this one one's clearly gonna get, get out ahead and it's gonna be him uh oh shit now i'm pointing on the spot
0: Mm, you said horses you said horses so it made me think of people who ride horses and that made me think of a man who rides uh his uh horse uh standing up and his horse has handlebars and exhaust pipes uh this would be date Masamune from sengoku basura nice um, nice if if he could come into my house when i'm waking up in the morning and he just say like are you ready guys Put the guns on! Like it would be awesome. I would be into that. <laughs> that is the like. I thought Rise
1: and Grind was good, but that's just that's just in a different league. Holy shit! <laughs> I love
0: I love Date from I love Sengoku Basara in general, but I mean Date is is exceptionally good.
1: Well, if we if we're gonna mention Mob Psycho like for Reagan, we can also of course mention the Body Improvement Club. No. <laughs> I would totally have a, like them as like a video for a light workout tape. There you go.
0: Those dudes fucking rule. I love them so deeply. They are the best boys.
1: They are fantastic.
0: Man, they are the like and so great because you think, man, at the beginning you think they're gonna be tools. Like they're not. They're they're gonna bother Mob. They're gonna pick on him. But they're like so sweet and encouraging and just just. You know, empty-headed little little dudes who are my friends, and I love them all.
1: Yeah, top lads, them lot. All right, um, next question from Rackham. Would you consider Yota's cam- campaign, air quotes, to get Moemi and Takashi together more a campaign. selfless? <laughs> yep, <Yeah. laughs> more selfless or selfish? While he is trying to help his crush date someone else, he's also essentially forcing her onto a friend who doesn't want to date her and endangering the dynamic between the three. Right, okay. So this is a big question, because I think in order to answer this, we have to actually answer another question. Um, And this will tie into something that, another question I'm going to have from an, uh, another person on our Discord. But <sighs> the thing is, right, we have to remember something about all of these characters. Maybe less so Takashi, because I'm not entirely convinced he's not Beelzebub in, like, a skin suit. But point being, they're all teenagers, and having recently been watching, amongst other things, Aim for the Ace, which is extremely melodramatic and also amazing. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Aim, Aim for the Ace is fucking awesome. Uh, but anyway, it was Ace. But well, there you go. It aimed for it, and it succeeded. Who'd have <laughs> thought? Who'd have thought? <laughs> but point being. You have to remember that, like, when you're writing those kind of, like, age groups, those kind of characters, like, the way that they act will not necessarily be in their best interest or other people's best interests. And that's not because they're awful people, like, who are doing, trying to do genuine harm. It's because they're not fully formed people mentally and emotionally. They're trying their best, but it doesn't mean they're doing what's most mature. And I don't think it's, I, I think for me, like, you know... I'm not saying everyone who was of Yose's age went through what he went through with Moemi, like having a crush on someone who had a crush on someone else. But what I am saying is I think that it's fairly reasonable to say that most people of Yose's age will have believed they were doing the right thing. Yeah. But ultimately, weren't. So I can see the question, because like, if you think about it, if he pushes Moemi away, then he can maybe break it off with her. But... That of course causes him only more pain, as we see in the show, like when he cries and eyes arms uh, halfway through, around episode <laughs> three, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't also think he's necessarily a hundred percent aware of the fact that Takeshi is a bastard. <laughs> is that the right word for that? I don't know. Like he, he, he...
0: is a bastard. The way he treats poor Moemi is um just so terrible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I would describe him as idealistic, why the I fuck, suppose.
0: Why the fuck does he go out with her? Is he uh, like it, it made me want to watch the sub because I was like, man, the the way they're writing this dub script and, and maybe it's just the show, the writing. But I was like, something is missing. Like, what? What the hell is this dude's motivation? Like, why is he has he chosen to, to date this girl that he clearly doesn't care about at all? Like, is he? Is he just trying to do, like, a weird thing where he lights a fire under Yota for Yota to win her back? I mean, he never comes out and says that, and we don't really get anything from his point of view, but that's, like, the best explanation I could come up with. Well, uh, I, But it also doesn't quite fit with some of his actions, so, anyway.
1: I hate to disappoint you, Doc, but it's not really explained in the uh, subs either. Maybe we need to watch it in Turkish or something it will be explained in that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy. So, um, so... in in all honesty like i wouldn't describe what yosa is doing as selfish um in a conscious way maybe i mean yeah funnily enough this question is one of those that actually i think would have been really interesting for the show to explore in its own right to make textual like this is a question that like we're being asked you and i but what if the show actually went out of its way to explore that and where someone points out to him you know by trying to push her on Sakashi, you're really just trying to push her away from you because you can't cope with being close to her. You ever think about that? And that never really comes up in any meaningful way. But as presented, going by the material we have, I think he is being selfless, but I think the intent uh, uh, behind it, like or rather the intent is that to, as for the show is that in doing so, he's only doing himself and her more harm like you can be selfless but also in the wrong
2: yeah yeah
0: um like what what you can do can like happen to be wrong um cuz he yeah you're right i mean he's not really thinking about takashi's feelings but who the fuck cares about takashi <laughs> he's a piece of shit his his feelings are garbage and terrible um and he's he's just projecting his own the way he sees Moemi onto him. Um and again, like you say, he's not doing it maliciously. I generally think that Yota's a good guy. Like I this is like before uh the time when very zeitgeisty anime featured protagonists that were intentionally shitbags. Like Yeah so I, I think I think like it's uh that that the anime fully is behind the idea that like you know yota is too nice he's too selfless and too uh uh good sometimes like and not uh or, or at least this is what it wants you to think right um at least at a certain point that um you know ah nice guys finish last uh and he's too nice he's He's entered the friend zone <laughs> oh, um, no. and you know, this other girl doesn't love him or whatever. Um, but I don't know if it's like, I don't actually, now that I'm saying so, I don't know if it's like particularly condemning him for that or anything like that as much as just like saying like, here's this guy who people think is a nerd and a loser. But if you got to know him, he's actually a really sweet, kind and good guy. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what his deal is so it's a, to answer it's, his question it's i i think it's he feels like he's being selfless
1: yeah it's a character flaw um you could even say maybe he's white knighting it a little bit um but yeah i, I don't think that it's i think if it, the lesson the show is trying to impart if anything as i say is that he is flawed in doing what he's doing even though he has the best of intentions he's clearly doing what he thinks is best for the Wemi, even though it's not helping her in any way nor is it really helping him (laughs) because i could very well be wrong on this and i am admittedly speaking with the wisdom of nearly 35 years on this planet heaven forbid but for me what i would have done in that situation i'd hope is just be frank about um you know my feelings and just say right i have put them out there um make of them what you will and i will think no less of you whatever you ultimately choose to do with them if you feel the same that's fantastic And if you don't, then that's fine as well. Um, We can't leave things as they are, of course, because it's not fair on you, and it's not fair on me, and it's causing me, like, emotional grief, Um, which is not your fault, by the way. I should stress that. It's just one of these things that happens. But ultimately, I just thought I'd put it out there and at least clear the air.
0: Boring. You're boring me to tears. This is such boring exposition from you Shadon. I need the teen drama I need the burning hearts I need people doing shit without thinking about the consequences I need people unintentionally hurting each other that's what I need in my in my drama my my sex comedy my ecchi about teenagers and unrequited love so no you're totally wrong about this Terrible I,
1: answer. I, I, the funny thing is, you're actually right. Because if that if that was what he did, the show would be one episode long, and it would be as boring. <laughs> it would be as boring as a PSA movie.
0: Totally. Um, this before we, is Yota,
1: he is in love with someone who doesn't love him back. And It's just one of these guys, like he's like a 1950s doctor, and he's like pointing with a <laughs> of what's it called at a uh, at a flip chart, and he's just like. <laughs> he's a dumbass, but he's a good dumbass. But that doesn't mean he should be a dickhead. There's a difference.
0: There you go. Before we continue answering these questions, uh, we're going to take a brief break. So we will be right back. We're back. And yeah, it's time to move on. Now, I believe we have some questions from GoGo Atomic Robot.
1: You'd be right. Uh, so, first question from GoGo Site Robot is. Many, many films or TV shows and books explore the idea of an artificial creation coming to life, from the myth of Pygmalion, the 80s romance mannequin, to the bawdy comedy of weird science. (laughs) Why do we find this kind of story appealing, and why do the majority of these stories seem to feature a male protagonist and a female creation? Ooh, um, that is a chunky question.
0: Crunchy. Mm.
1: Yeah, ch- chunky and crunchy.
0: um I can I can uh, take right. a stab at it if you need time to think.
1: I have a f- the f- germ of an idea of how to answer this, so I'm going to let that sprout a little bit. So, by all means,
0: okay. Um, I think one of the reasons that it is mainly a story, uh, when when the story is told, is a story about uh, lonely male um, and his sort of idealized female creation uh, is you know, look at all the the stories she referenced were are not modern stories. like this is a story that's being told for a long time. Um, and for a really long time, uh, media was dominated by male stories, stories f- written by, written for, uh dominated by the perspective of men uh straight men mm-hmm. in particular and so i think that's a big reason why uh this dynamic uh has has such a long shelf life and continues to persist um i'll say something a little bit more optimistic about like the the nature of the story itself um i do think that in in some of these kinds of stories you what you have is an author trying to communicate to an audience of people that might identify with the sort of broken-hearted or kind of um uh unrequited love having male protagonists that like, the answer to the problem is not uh a fantasy. Because typically, what happens when these when the fantasies come come to life, uh, you, you have initially a, 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 an adverse reaction from the guy. Like, oh man, this isn't like my fantasy. This isn't my Yamato Nadeshko, my ideal woman. Um, they're boisterous and loud and crabby, or they're bad cooks, or uh, you know they uh don't like the things i like or, you know what i mean they're they're real people <laughs> and mm-hmm. lear- learning to get along with real people might be uh might be the lesson from uh from some of these stories i would
1: agree i mean the i think that everyone like has i think there's like a common desire for that special singular individual in your life now when i say that I don't necessarily mean romantic. Just like a lifelong companion of some description, whether platonic or otherwise. I mean, even classic stuff like Pinocchio. Like you've got Geppeso who wants, you know, to have a son. Um. So there's that. And I think that, as you said though, like the, the the way in which this core idea has mutated over the years is that it's mostly focused around straight men and the created person in question is a woman and i do think that your the moral of that being of course that you know uh real people are the ones that you spend um like to, to, to choose to associate with like that they basically they they bridge a gap between the protagonist being in a place where they can't associate to where they can they gently guide them through because I think a key part of this element as well is the safety element. Like the idea sometimes, and this is stuff that gets subverted in things like weird science, for example, um, is that the, the created individual, the created character is safe, predictable. You know how they're going to behave. You give them all the you know, parameters in one way or another to determine their behavior. And often the lesson is that they will behave in unpredictable ways. I, the show, and the character fits that bill as well. Not all stories are about then moving on from that created person uh, to Mm -hmm. reaffirming reality. I mean, sometimes, as is the case with this show... (laughs) mm, I'm going to...
0: Sort of. It's bit. like a weird anyway, we'll save the ending talk. Anyway, please continue.
1: Yeah, I I, I got I got feelings on this. Um but like I mean, say Pinocchio again to go back to that. Like Pinocchio becomes a real boy. And that's good. And then a you know, the bloodborne he, he... game. <laughs> well
0: <laughs> What is that game? <laughs> called? Everyone gets the... Master of P? What is that one? Something of P? <laughs> Lies. Lies <laughs> of P. That's what it is. Lies. Please,
1: please tell, please <laughs> tell me there's a mechanic. There's a quick time event where the Pinocchio in that game is like being bear hooked by a monster, and he has to lie repeatedly, so like, or so hard that his nose just shoots for its face.
0: I hope, so. I hope so. I hope
1: so. Mass, mass triangle to lie, and then it just impales <laughs> the monster on his wooden nose. That's mm. that's the horror of it. And if you think I'm being like weird about the horror stuff? Just, I just like to point out that recently, Winnie the Pooh, uh, <laughs> the non-red. Uh, like you know, jumper one when public domain. So there's already like horror related Wee the Pooh shit coming out. So I, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's the common element. Like it's meant to be a bridging of. Uh, it's like a, a means through which uh, in a character can develop in a story. Uh, this person is created who acts as a mentor and a confidant. Um, and then once the story concludes and the character has grown, or maybe be, or maybe even before the story concludes, the the created person or character. Leaves for various reasons, and that is either at the point when that person has grown or when they uh, is the inciting event for them to grow up a little bit. Maybe it's even a little bit of the extension of the imaginary friend element from like childhood, could be that.
2: Mm, mm -hmm, But I, mm -hmm. I, I
1: just think, I just think that generally speaking, that people long for companionship and company, and whether that be romantic or platonic, um, that story has a universal appeal. It's no wonder we keep seeing it come back. I mean, Her, the film that we discussed only last podcast, fits this bill as well. Granted, Theo didn't literally give life to Samantha himself, but that semantics, the, the core of it still fits. Mm-hmm. He needs a, a safety net through Her in order to learn to reassociate and get along with regular flesh and blood people.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there's something I'd like us to think about in terms of video girl, I. So the the opening scene of it, which you discuss uh, is mm-hmm. I. Uh, you sort of see the videotape that uh, that Yota has rented. Come on. And you see her begin to do her video girl scripted routine. You know, what's a video playing? You know, you think. And uh, and then she gets shot out of the television and comes into Yota's actual real world. As you say, not unlike uh, Ringu. Um, and this to me was an expectation setter. This to me, um, it signaled to me that the show, and especially, I should say, this scene coupled with like I's behavior immediately after this, it, it signaled to me like the show had in mind to communicate to Yoda what I was saying earlier that, like, well, You know, you have uh, this fantasy of of a woman, um, an idealization that you want to be with.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But like reality, there's more friction to it because you're dealing with other yous, other human beings. They're not objects for you. They're other subjects. And so there's going to be uh, friction and there's going to be clashes and there's going to be differences. Um, but that also can be extremely good and rewarding, and and is worth pushing through. Um, so this is all the thing. This these are the thoughts I was thinking. I, I want us to think about if the show actually says that, right? If it actually like uh. you know is saying that, or are we ourselves just? essentially when we pop in video girl i are we popping in the equivalent the emotional equivalent of a video girl of some kind of comfortable fantasy that's not meant to teach us anything or 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 kind of push us out of our comfort zone but is meant to just make us feel good
1: well 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 um i I will say i'll follow up later but boy do i have things to say about that first episode now it frames the rest of the show And then how that ties into the ending and why I kind of hate it. But anyway. Hey, let's move on to the next question. (laughs) Uh, And this one's also a big one, funnily enough. What are your thoughts on Moemi and her storyline? Um... Right. okay, (laughs) okay, okay,
0: okay, okay. (laughs) So... This is, that's a five okay fire that you've just said. <laughs> that, that,
1: that is, that is a, uh, yeah, that is a, another chunky question. Okay, let's be honest here. Let me be positive. I actually quite liked her introduction in the show
2: mm-hmm.
1: because she was presented as a living, breathing, three-dimensional person with her own feelings and her own desires, and her own wants, and the fact that she's unfulfilled in that respect like she's in love with takashi and he's not interested in her like there's a scene at the end of i think the first episode where we see her crying in her room and do you remember before when i this this is is gonna be a strange tangent, but just just by way of comparison do you remember before when i said about mob psycho what's the name of the girl you might not even know her name but you know i'm talking about who is mob's crush oh
0: yeah, I don't remember.
1: <laughs> you don't remember a name, but you know you know who I'm referring to. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, in Mob Psycho, and this is not a fault of Mob Psycho the show, by the way, she's serving the exact purpose she's meant to have in that. She doesn't have any backstory or characterization. She's just Mob's crush, like an idealized, like, you know, like cute girl of his age that he's into. The show doesn't present her with an inner life or anything like that. And that's fine. That's by design in that show, by the way. It works for what they're trying to accomplish there. It would be by contrast, it would be so easy for Video Girl Eye, the show, to present Moemi without an inner life at all. That she's just a haughty woman who won't give him the time of day. Like she doesn't realize, like, you know, what's going on or anything like that. Um, making her feel like aloof and all that and standoffish. But the way she's presented that she essentially has the same problem as Yota, just that she actually outright progresses a bit faster on the path than he does uh, in revealing her affection to Kashi. Like, I thought that went quite a long way in, uh, bearing in mind the target audience here, of pointing out that, hey, women are people with feelings too. They have these same emotions, these same conflicts inside of themselves. They're not alien, they're not unknowable, (laughs) and they're not, you know... (laughs) um, Harpies who just wants to devour your soul. <laughs>
0: they don't exist to like ruin your favorite hobbies or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or, or to ruin you in specifically yeah. and just keep turning you down. Like, I thought that was a surprisingly three-dimensional way of looking at the emotions of teenagers in that respect, because it was looking at the female side of it, where that kind of rejection, that kind of longing happens to them as well. Uh by the way, thank God we didn't get a video boy whatever where Moemi does the same thing and there's some weird wackiness with that. I think that would have been a bit much, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I think that as far as her introduction goes, I think that works really well. Mm-hmm. And that's basically where my positive feelings kind of end because I don't think the show really quite knows what to do with her after that point. Like, she, <laughs> yes, she confesses to Takashi and goes out with him or tries to go with him on a date and all that and she's still dealing with her own feelings. But I don't think at any point, do like, Yosef out says he loves her, and she just kind of brushes it off.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, which... <laughs> what, they said that they <laughs> were uh, practicing their confessions or whatever.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to be fair to hear. Like, if I could be fair to that lady in her who called um, Theo whacking Phoenix's character a creep, that like you know she was using the nuclear option because she wanted to be safe. Like, we had that discussion now. I won't mm-hmm.
2: be here. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, if I can be fair there, I can be as fair, if not more so, to a teenage girl mm-hmm. who might just literally have no fucking clue. Yeah. Uh, I like let's be let's be fair here. Come on, I, I don't want to. I don't. I think if the show is presenting her in that three dimensional way to begin with, it would be very strange if it then suddenly U turned and made her out to be like, you know, to know that like to say that she knows Yosa's feelings and is just dicking with him. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't think that's what it's going for. But I wish it gave her more to do. And in particular, there's something that well, let's just ties to my grief with the ending overall, but. I don't, there's no Coda with him. Like, we have those moments that we mentioned, like, where she, he confesses and she just kind of doesn't get it. And some moments, like, later on. But then, with the episode 5, episode 6, 90 degree swerve into what the fuckery, her <laughs> role in the story ends. Like, she appears in episode 6, but it's not her. Right. And I, again, I'm I'm teasing here. I really am even though it, I'd argue it might have been best if it was her, and they did things a little differently with what she says, but that's beside the point. Yeah. She works in the first episode, where she's revealed to have the same problems he does, and is a three-dimensional human being, and that tells the audience, and again, bearing in mind the target audience for this, um, and the age specifically, and the fact that they're probably people a lot like Yota in terms of their mindsets and such. Yeah. This is not like women are not your enemy. The emotions that you feel, the unrequited love—that's something that they can feel too, and it's complicated and difficult. And you're all trying to work it out in tandem. What's happening to you, while it is unique contextually to you, is not unique in the sense that it's only you're the only person it's happening to on the planet. Yeah, so, yeah great episode one. Resume is just whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I. Like I agree and disagree with what you're saying. Um uh, I not not that I think that the show gave her enough to do or anything like that. Like I don't know if I would be as as generous as as you were when describing her as fully three-dimensional, but I know what you're saying because she gets a decent amount of screen time. Um and we understand I think a fair bit about what kind of motivates her and her desires. And it is very good. I think you made a, a astute point of, uh, <laughs> we always got to worry about the incels, right? Showing these young men like, oh, Hey, boy. like here's a young woman who, um, is, uh, subject to, uh, the same desires and everything like that, uh, that you are, they can go through similar ordeals. But where I think um, Yota, like I don't know, can use his uh, his feeling for good. He's like a he's a master of them in, in a lot more than she is. Like he's able to self sacrifice and and stuff like that. I think the way she's presented is she's just like a slave to this feeling she has. Like at no point yeah. can, can she sort of escape from the cyclone of love like she's been totally swallowed by it and it's like it means everything to her there's nothing outside the crush that she has on this boy um who treats her like dog shit and after he does like that for like an episode or more she talks to yota and she's like well you know what i've realized and i was like oh boy here it comes here comes like a saving grace uh as as uh, i would say in the dub um but she says i'm going to love him for the rest of my life no matter what yeah <laughs> like, it- oh christ <laughs> almighty um i mean i'm not a fan of like the soulmates thing as as a trope but like i i feel like this is um i feel like in like 10 years you know fast forward here and like Takashi and, and Moemi are going to have really this horrible home life and the kids are going to be wanting, wondering why daddy hits mommy sometimes and she's not going to be able to leave him even though he's an abusive drunk. I mean, just the whole thing. Like, she,
2: yeah, like,
0: I why is she not oh, able? Oh he's clearly has like he just has contempt for her. And yet she is I, just uh... like, you know, I still love him no matter what he does to me. And I, that really bugs I, me, I, I, I have I, to say.
1: I have a couple of things to say, Sax. I agree with you. Like I should be clear, when I say that she's three-dimensional, I feel like I must be honest, I'm referring to the first episode. Because that's when I had hope that it might continue all the way through and like have more nuance to it than that.
0: And I understand what you're yes, saying, and I wouldn't even necessarily disagree, it just feels like it just feels like that there's kind of a lack of agency, maybe there.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right, and the the sad fact is, like, I feel if you did a modern rewrite of this, you could correct all these problems with ease and make it so much better. Like this, this potential here, but I do have a couple of points. The first of which is, let's talk about Takashi for a second. The way he treats her in episode five, why does he do that? And why? I don't mean as in what no, no. I, I mean, I mean, I don't mean as in in his mind. I'm asking, from a storytelling perspective, Uh, what functions does this serve? Because to me, what I wanted as as the story progressed was I didn't want him to be a bastard. I wanted him to be a reasonably decent guy, like a normal guy, who in turn, because let's be honest here, there is the flip side of this coin. We're talking about unrequited love from the person who wants to give it to us, but what about being on the receiving end of that? That's something you can explore. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with someone who loves you, but you don't feel the same way back? And the answer it seems that the show presents is that he's a bellend, and that's not a satisfactory answer. It doesn't work. There's potential here that could have been done with him, where if they had decided that he was just a regular guy and they wanted to explore it. And if you think I'm being, like, of, like, doughy-eyed here, or, like, in the clouds on this, he says to her, like, you know... He has that conversation where she tells him, like, you know, um, do you really love me or not? And he says, I'll ask you a question in turn. And then he actually, like, says, say, go pursue Yota. Go with him, which is a good scene, but it doesn't flow from all of his previous behavior. What the fuck? I just don't understand. I I hate
0: that scene. I mean, I don't hate it from a... I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. It, it just feels like uh, on that scene, like when it happens, like has this, this has all been leading up to that he's trying to teach her some object lesson. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to drive you back into Yoda's arms by giving you what you want, only showing you it's not what you want because I'm going to be extremely shitty. Again, no idea we, if that's yeah. what's happening because we don't fucking know what he wants, but that's what it felt like. Yeah, <laughs> he,
1: didn't, he didn't need to do that to be a bastard to accomplish that mission. He no. could have just... Had a regular conversation with her. So yeah, I'm like the problem with Moemi is in part the problem with Sakashi because their plot is so woven together. And I just feel like that you could have done a couple of changes and it would have actually been a net positive for the show. Um, but yeah, like I mean with Moemi, like it's just in the first episode, she's fine she Mm -hmm. she serves a purpose and like i say that moment where we see her crying in her own bedroom it makes her feel like an actual character where things are happening to her and the show presents them as meaningful and important to us and that's a very good thing but then that's it there's not even as i say a coda with her between her and yota no and there really should have been um the most we get is the credit scene in episode six, but I hate it for a whole different reason. I'm going to explain <laughs> Yeah, There's like
0: things you could imply. Um, and some of the things that you're meant to imply, I think are um, bad. <laughs> and I don't like them. <laughs>
1: I, I Well, the, 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 let me just by way of comparison, bring up her again. Do you remember how her ended when Whacking um, mm-hmm. Phoenix, Theo and Amy Adams, Amy, funnily enough, have that like moment where they just like hug on the top of a rooftop. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing necessarily romantic about it, but it feels like they've come to an understanding. Transplant... If you tr- if you could somehow transplant that and just replace those two characters with their respective male, male and female counterparts in Video Girl Eye, it would be a perfect ending to the show. Although that would also demand another change that I think that... Uh, I'm dancing around the issue real hard. I'll get to it in a bit, but anyway. Um, so yeah, like... They had a good start, and that's so much that's so true for the show in general. They just didn't do anything interesting with afterwards, which is a Mm. real shame.
0: Here's here's my biggest problem with with Moemi as as a character. Um Mm -hmm. So I think the beginning, like you said, is is um pretty strong. And she has the parallel with Yota, right? The unrequited love. But again, it like I sort of uh, gesture toward what I'm about to say when talking about Takashi and his object lesson but just to to, to put kind of a, a bow on that thought it, it feels like in some ways what the show wants to do is to like say to Moemi and, and thus all the girls that boys have unrequited crushes on why are you being so selfish crushing on this guy who doesn't even like you can't you see that there's someone who loves you uh right over there um what's what's your hang-up what's your issue why are you being so selfish uh Ugh. and it, that sucks <laughs> i really did not like those vibes when i when i got them uh,
1: i i don't agree with the with the vibe, but i don't at the same time say that you're wrong in thinking that and this is you what you I do agree with you on is that the show feels very muddled in the messages it wants to get across. Like, it's not a clean show in terms of its like of its themes and ideas and what it wants to teach the audience. Um in a number of respects. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily feel the same about Moemi like and the message that it's getting across about girls. Like, you know, you've gotta fucking, you know, not be like a prude. You've gotta tell them straight and all that. You've gotta deal with this shit. But I can't deny that you and I are definitely in agreement that this show is, well, it needs to adjust its tracking control (laughs) because it's a bit it's very fuzzy and I don't think it should be, but anyway right, if I'm not mistaken, I think that actually brings us to the end of our um, Discord questions, unless we have anything else to add
0: nope, Uh, that is the end of the Discord questions, and so now uh, oh boy, oh boy time for talking (laughs) points
1: Right. Shall I talk about the ending and get it out of the way? Yeah, Shall, go for should it. We, should... Right. Uh, how to put this? Um, we need to explain what happens in episode 5 and episode 6. So, some fucking Kingdom Hearts villain <laughs> with, red hair, uh, with red hair is suddenly wandering the streets at the end. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's suddenly... <laughs> he's suddenly wandering the streets at the end of episode 5. And at the same time, I... I like his side to fall apart um, because her time is running out. The, the, the glass slipper, uh, so to speak, is, uh, you know, she can only have it on for so long. Uh, and she's whisked away because it turns out that there is another dimension that looks like it's straight out of a Dire Straits album cover um, where this red-headed dude lives, along with the uh, shopkeeper whom Yota bought the tape from.
2: Goku video Raku. girls
1: are <laughs> yeah, video girls are apparently extra-dimensional entities created for the pleasure of men. Yes. They're not like li- they're not actually just like people like on TV, like actual living people. And this was just a freak instant of like magic or whatever bringing I to to, uh-huh. to you know uh, to life. No, they're actually sent to our world in VHS tapes uh, and to you know to this, help men. Is this uh, a story
0: about sex workers? I don't even. Have we just uncovered this? That this is a story about sex workers, comfort women.
1: Uh, I have the Windows hourglass going in my head right now, <laughs> or, or, or if not the hourglass, that little spinny white, yes, uh, sorry, blue disc. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm going to blue screen in the moment because I haven't considered that angle. Right, I'm going to continue on not by disagreeing with you, but just by coming back to that later. Okay. Um. But but yes. Um, and there's a rule: video girls are not allowed to fall in love. But of course, I has fallen in love with Yota. Um, I want to point out before we get to anything else that this completely contradicts the intro of episode one because the reason that she came into the world was because of Yota's faulty VHS. That was the explanation they gave. And you know what? That's all I needed. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to know anything else. I didn't care. Like, how many things have we watched, like from the 80s and 90s, where Shit just happens, and now we're in this situation. That's fine. We don't have to spend hours explaining it. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I mean, the v- the VHS at this point, is <clears throat> the, the, the player dice, is really just the technological version of the book that you open that pulls you in.
0: Exactly, yeah. or spits
1: yeah. someone out. That's all it is, and that's all you need. Now, that being said, I'm not dismissing this twist out of hand because it's doing something... One, the extra-dimensional di- extra like, VHS world where all the video girls live, even though we don't see any of them, but it doesn't matter, uh, it's very funky, and I like that. It's very surreal. It is. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of clocks with uh, no hands on them, um, which I feel like could. I'm gonna probably come back to that later to talk about what I think they might have been going for with this. Yeah,
2: there's a um, glass staircase
0: so, in space.
1: Yep, is I cool. is crucified and covered <laughs> in electric cable.
0: So, can I just say, as I alluded to before one of like such like the most anime thing ever in terms of early 90s anime especially oavs like the 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 imagery that those things are playing with like this fits right in that milieu just like a glove
1: yep uh oh boy so anyway like, a, <clears throat> like
0: anyway a, like a glove made of yeah. electric tubes
1: uh huh. So, so, um, the what's happening is I is going to be reset. Um, she's gonna not remember Yota at all, I guess. Um, and Yota, like, he catches up with her one last time in the real world. She explains what's going on. He follows her into the video world. Um, he does not meet <coughs> the stuff bear on the way, unfortunately, nor does he have to fight the shadow of his inner self and what he's <laughs> like. Yeah god it would it would probably be like it would probably like a tape reel but instead of hands it's got dicks or something i don't know but anyway (laughs) um so he ends up in there and he's confronted by we don't get the name for this red-headed kingdom hearts we don't
0: it's unfortunate i'm gonna see if he's um named on the mail page i'll get back to you on that. oh (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna call him the
1: director he's called because i think that he's
0: called rolex (laughs) what He's called Rolex uh, or or Eyes Creator. What? <laughs> He's very tall and always appears in a trench coat. His face is angular, as if chiseled. Well, of course, from he appears in
1: a trench coat. He's just selling Rolexes <laughs> from inside of it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I got some video girls and here, and I have some watches here. <laughs>
1: I, I guess, okay, look, that tie, I suppose that kind of sort of ties in to the time thing that I mentioned, because there's clocks in this and all that, I I guess. I guess. And, <laughs> and I'm saying I guess, because if the ending had gone the way that I think it should have done, this would have all fit perfectly and would have made total sense, I suppose. But anyway, is he wearing? Rolex. Um,
0: I'm just looking at a screenshot now. Is he wearing a kimono underneath the trench coat?
1: I have no idea.
0: Tell look at this screenshot and then tell me. I'm going to send you a screenshot in chat. Uh or a link to the mail page. Um and you can you can take a look. Is that a kimono? It looks like he's wearing a kimono or just a really terrible sweater. Uh V-neck. But I'm going to say kimono. You
1: know You know I'd like to believe it's a comedy t-shirt like a black <laughs> one with a graphic on it and it says tempest fuck it on it. <laughs>
0: Oh, Rolex. <laughs> so bad. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway,
1: Rolex Rolex basically starts putting Yota through various um, trials of sorts. And you might think that, like, I was joking with the Persona stuff, but, like, he meets a similar of Takashi who, like, says, you've got to pick and choose between Moemi and I because Moemi is here as well. And then Yota wakes up in a, fle- a field of flowers, like, and cherry blossoms and all that. And again, maybe it ties into the time thing. I don't know. Uh, I don't agree with it, though, because of the ending. Fuck that ending. But anyway. (laughs) Um, anyway. So, um, Moemi's there, but again, it's a simulacra of her. It's not really her. And, you know, she's like, Yota, do you not want me? Like, and she starts, like, stripping naked and all that. Um, and eventually he's like, no, I'm not doing that. She turns to dust. And then he finds, like, you know, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He finds, like, you know, uh, the glass staircase, um, he starts climbing it, and it shatters and, like, lacerates him real hard. Um, the show does not even make it this subtle because Rolex <laughs> explains what it's about. It is the pain of love. Yes,
0: love equals um, pain, I think, literally are the words in the dub that Yota yeah. says. <laughs> love equals pain. Well, I already knew that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, eventually, Yota does reach the top after looking like he's jumped through at least ten different, like, glass windows in action stunt style. And... He like helps I get free because her tears disintegrate like the binds that hold her. Yep. Uh Rolex fires off his uh Rolex Kami Kami Ha at them <laughs> and they fight back by using video static and there's a scene of them hugging and then we cut to credits, I guess.
2: Did it um, did
1: you
0: get dialogue? Like was he talking over the hug in the sub?
1: If he was, I don't think it matters. Okay, so I think it I, does.
0: Like, I think it ties together the temporal imagery, um, in terms of like uh... what. He, well, so so what he said in the dub was. Um,
1: oh, sorry. We. I thought you. I thought you said, <clears throat> said Rolex, but Yota. No, 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 no. Okay, okay,
0: idea. okay. Yeah, not Rolex. No, <laughs> who cares about what that guy has to say? But uh, but no, it was about Yota saying like um for just a moment. We well, just have this moment. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's all that meant. Like because um. Takashi and uh, Moemi were sort of trying to be like, you, you should prefer Moemi because she won't leave you, like I's about to go, like, you know, she's, she's going to be gone away, and like, th- this human will be with you for forever and ever or whatever, and it just seemed like the thing they were trying to gesture towards was like, you know, there's no such thing as forever like, uh, love, n- no matter what is like fleeting, so grab a hold of it if you can, mm. and then enjoy <laughs> it, and then it's over, right?
2: <laughs>
0: but then they get reincarnated. <laughs> the, the tape I gets re- the tape gets rewound, effectively, this. and
1: totally. I hate <laughs> this so fucking much. I hate this with every fiber of my being. Because, oh boy, let's be. Let me be blunt. Let me be real fucking blunt here, right? Unless unless magic literally exists, or the laws of physics change in such a way, or, you know, like, we advance technologies to the point where you can literally, like, make a simulacra of a VTuber or whatever, who's your own. Uh, and bear in mind, this is just a VHS tape. It is a pre-recorded reel of defined images that do not dynamically change. It is a linear sequence of images. Um, I hate to say it, but a video girl cannot become a real boy or girl. Sorry, I mean. How dare
0: you? What I a, do dare. What a spoil sport you are!
1: I am a spoil sport because, like, after everything else that's happened, like with all the discussion of, like, you know, and all the temporal imagery that you bring up, um, the fact that there is a very clear timeline of the game, the fact this ties in with the very idea of, like, you know, the created, uh, the creation as comfort, like who temporarily bridges the gap between. Uh, the le- the lower point of a protagonist's life versus the higher point where they've grown and they've gone through an arc. The fact that I is there at the end in the credits and is living a normal life with Yota, completely mostly fucks up the message of the film. Uh, sorry, the, of the show. I'm I cannot believe it. It's it is such an egregious own goal.
0: Not only is she there, but let me tell you what I feel like is implied. But the- I feel like this is like the scene that's happening and the four of them on their way to school it it feels like that she's never been a video girl that like all that shit basically didn't happen and that they're living in this reality in which she is real and has always been real to the best of their knowledge and it feels like the relationship being displayed on screen and maybe I'm just Reading too much into it, between I and Yota is that they're brother and sister because they're fist fighting in the street, <laughs> and then Takashi Tek- yeah, they- and Moemi run after them as if they are a pair. They're paired off, and like, oh great, they're together in the ideal life. Awesome, fan
1: fucking
2: tastic.
1: Yeah, it super. This isn't this isn't Phantom levels of bad ending but it's <laughs> no it's not it, it, it's not too far
0: off it's just super weird
1: uh, yeah like cuz the right first off in a good way. you could remove you could remove the credit sequence entirely or just use the credit sequence they had for the previous episodes and with that single change everything's fixed it would be
0: really cool because- like it would be a gut punch but it'd be really cool if the last shot was them hugging and okay. then it fading to black and then that's it
1: yeah that that thing that Yosa says of just a moment, because uh, along with the fact that video girls will not become real unless you literally, I suppose, met the actress who played that video girl, but even then, they're not going to be the same kind of person. And that in of itself, amusingly enough, would be an interesting story. Like, you know, oh, I... It, call me crazy. Let's say you watched... Uh, let's say you had a show which was about, okay, I'm watching a uh, softcore porn of an actress and i meet the actress in question and i get to learn about her as a person and realize like she's a three-dimensional individual and you know all that that's a story that's an idea but anyway so yeah video girls are not going to become real and on top of that you're not going to need to watch a video girl for the rest of your life or at least i should fucking hope that. like as i mentioned the idea of the is comfort it's there for a time to help you get through a rough spot. Yost is having a moment, like, of, of lowliness, so he rents a video girl tape, and that makes him feel better. Like, if, if there was no, like, if I literally didn't come out of his TV, that's what would happen. It would carry him for his moment, and he would then go on with his life.
0: Or. So. <sighs> or. What if.
1: Uh, uh, what if.
0: What if. It's not supposed to be taken literally, but it's a metaphor for sex workers. Sex workers can escape the the trafficking, the human trafficking, and become and be, be integrated into a normal life, a, a normal society. And that's what's happening. You're saying they can your reading says that sex workers can't be normal people, that they have to be returned to the 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 pimp store when you're done with them. You rewind them and you return to the pimp store. Is that what you want to be known for saying? Is that your take? I don't think I, I don't think you wanna I don't think you want to put your name on that.
1: I, my take is I say if you take the video girl literally as a video girl and not as a sex worker so they so uh, let me play that reverse so Uno you know, back to you motherfucker um, okay let's talk about the sex worker thing for a moment
0: this is just something that's, that's just now occurred to me by the way I've given it actually not a, an ounce of thought uh, outside of, of this podcast when I mentioned it so go go for it tell me something
1: um, so you mean to say that the only way a sex worker can escape is by falling in love with all their clients?
0: No, that's not what I mean to say.
1: No, I, I know, I know, <laughs> but that's what the show would say if, if if you took that metaphor as given. Yes,
0: right, per, perha- perhaps there are problems with the metaphor, <laughs> perhaps it, le- yeah. it leads to thorny places. Again, I haven't really thought it through, uh, but... The, just something about the way you were describing uh, the function of I as a sort of created piece of technology, and the show presenting her as a f- really no different from flesh and blood human, just kind of put those two I, those two ideas smooshed together in my brain, and it's like, well, she's just she's made for men, right? you know, and rented out a month at a time. Like, what does that sound like?
1: <laughs> true, true. I mean, the thing is, though, like, those stories do exist, though. Like, I, I, as much as I, like, might say, well, she met the guy and fell in love with him, like, they, they, I'm sure that, like, there's stuff out there, uh, even in Western cinema, where it's about, like, you know, a sex worker meeting a guy, and they fall in love and everything's happy. I'm not saying that's an invalid that story. a pretty woman, but, right? Maybe? Uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't it, seen it either.
0: <laughs> um, but But it does mean that the Kingdom Hearts guy is the pimp who's come to collect. And Yota has to beat him up. It, hmm. In the meta, see, in the metaphysical I world. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I really like. I can I just? Yeah. I like that the ending just gets weird. Like not the very ending. Like not the credit sequence. I, I'm with you that 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 was not the best move. Um, for the thing as a piece of art. Uh, but if, as I said, this whole big thing is itself a video comfort, then. Sure, but but I really like how f- batshit it gets at at the end. Like that was yeah. I felt very anime in in the best way.
1: Yeah, and it was very emotional as well. It wasn't when you say like anime, like it the the spectacle of like all these weird and fucks up settings was there, but it was very raw about like tackling Yost's in the feelings. Yes, which by the way, would also be a, a point I would make against the sex worker analogy because. It's about him and not her. It's very explicitly about him. So, meh. But anyway, yeah, my, like, the other thing I would have done with the credits is I wouldn't have even had I in them. Like, you, like, you could have had the exact same shot of them, like, on that road um, and have it be Moemi, even Takashi, and Yota. And they're just doing not the exact same thing because obviously no one's there to beat Yota up. But, like, they're just walking to school and they're happy. You place that wherever you want, temporally, after the events <laughs> of the show. And there you go. And it's, uh, like... <sighs> it just bothers me that, like, they it seemed so consistent for the most part about what it was trying to get across. Which is, hey, you, audience member, like, and this is part of the reason why, like, episode one stuck with me, because the opening image is of I talking to Yota, but we don't know that at the time, because it's we are not introduced to them until like the shot pans out and we see in there, she's actually arguably talking directly to us, the audience. And it almost feels like a very clever way of acknowledging that maybe the person who bought these VHS tapes, like as in the show, um, might've thought video girl, lie. like, it's going to be a kooky, like XG show. And it is, there is that. Yes. Make no mistake. But it has that core to it where it's actually being honest about men's feelings which catches them completely off guard. And that, I think, is part of the way of priming that. Like, if anything, it's kind of saying audience expectations, which I thought was very, very fascinating and very interesting and very clever from a filmmaking perspective because it's a, sh- a shifting diegesis. She's not talk- she's talking to us, but then we realise she's not. She's talking to Yota. But we don't know that for the opening 15 seconds or so that she's talking. It's very clever.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Um, more to say about the ending, or or uh, we'll come
1: back to it in a bit because we'll, we've got to talk about the glass staircase. We got to talk about the fucking glass staircase.
0: <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. So uh, my biggest talking point, maybe my only really substantive one, um, outside of what we've already talked about in the questions, is I think that the show. I don't really have a lot of notes because I found it. I don't want to sound mean when I say this. I found it difficult to like really engage with this critically. Um, you know, not because that there's not like stuff there. Um, but I, n- Maybe I'm not even that's not right because I did engage with it as I'm about to talk about. But I guess I found it difficult to engage with as a work in a vacuum like, on its own, like, mm. let's take apart this narrative or whatever. Um, but but I think here's the value of it for me. Um, is I sort of see this as, like, uh, I, I see Video Girl Eye as a pop song. Uh, a, right, okay. Of its era. It feels like a pop song. It feels like a time capsule. It feels like something that is just so soaked in the period from which it comes. And it is undeniably, you know, late eighties, early nineties. And just here it is in all of its glory. And like aesthetically listening to that, so to speak, experiencing that um, every now and again, when you want to hear it, when you want to hear that something familiar, when you want to hear that comfortable tune, um, I think um, is a fine reason for piece of media to exist um, and just aesthetically, like everything pops in such a pleasing way. everything you know we talked about the character designer and the art director and the music um, it just feels, and like the story tropes like everything feels like such the like zeitgeist of that late o a v era bottled up into a sixth episode production and mm-hmm. you know I mean there were so many s- stories I feel like uh, that were about you know uh, idealized magical girls right like coming to life uh, or, mm. or or coming into the life of sort of nothing happening protagonist um, It reminds me of oh my goddess in that way sometimes although that was sort of more of a harem show because there's like more than one uh, I equivalent like there are several goddesses but you know thankfully this is not, this is not one of those this is not a tenchi situation. Um, and as I said it feels like you know this is the sort of the time before shows like these involved characters that were actively pieces of shit um because I think I think Yota's generally again like a like a pretty good guy easy easy to root for easy to empathize with. And, um, it made me also think about, um, being an American anime fan at this time, Mm. because so, so in terms of when it released in Japan, not when it officially made it over by 1999, you could just walk into any old store and buy Anime, like there was a decent bit of it that had come over. Um, and you had a big selection, like I said, at the Sun Coast. Um, it hadn't boomed quite yet. Uh, but a market was there and and accessible to you. But like in the mid 90s, this feels like prime tape trading kind of anime. Like you would get this uh, you know, on some funnily enough, like dodgy VHS. Um, maybe you'd even get it raw, right? And you would be in charge of fan subbing <laughs> it. Um, and you know this this just feels like college anime club. Like I only went to my college anime club a couple times, and it was about like you know it was a little more than ten years after this came out. But like I've just read a lot about a lot of the those kind of experiences, of, like you know the cartoon fantasy organization, like really early anime clubs, um, and. I can just imagine getting, like, one of these every month or two. And at that time, you know, thinking not that this was some sort of throwaway sex comedy and it's only about, like, you know, seeing eyes, boobs, or whatever. But that, like, oh, man, like, here is, like, a thing, this this cartoon story, like, talking about, like, serious topics, you know? Yeah. Believe it or not, there was a time... <laughs> in in our lives when that was a rare thing um
1: yeah that that's something to bear in mind like we we are reviewing this in the year of our lord i guess 2022 and this came out in 1992 30 years ago so you remember what i mentioned once about uh, when we did the Phantasm and spider verse pod where i said about the like how writing tends to get better over time on a very broad sense because there's all the history that precedes it of like written television and such like you know people have had time to learn more about how to do proper script writing that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i think that would apply here like this show in my opinion is prime for a remake if it was handled well i reckon this would be a phenomenally good remake if they made just a couple of tweaks to things kept it to six episodes um Made it all snazzy. Gave it, like, the kind of style the Urusei Yatsura remake is, or reboot is getting, that's coming out soon.
0: They would make I it, it could be. they would make it a damn, uh, God damn it! why can I not think of the word, isekai or some shit, you know what I mean? Like, if Video Girl Eye G- was isekai. made today, it would be an isekai. Like, it just, it just feels like it is constructed totally out of, like, out of anime tropes that were popular at the time and but doc where doc where's the slavery (laughs) you'd have to you'd have to shoehorn that shit in um
1: oh god i could just see it now Yosa would just be constant like if he was like in a modern isekai version of this he'd just be like constantly threatening to take the tape out and throw it in the bin yes
0: he would have to become shitty he'd have to become a piece of garbage uh, they could unleash Takashi. He could just become actively, physically abusive on screen. Uh, it'd be great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's like the the gift and the curse of, of the show, right? Is that like it's, uh, you know, if you watch this along with a whole bunch of other stuff from that era, like in the same genre or similar genres... It might start to it might feel like not that remarkable, but like, you know, because like it just feels so different, so anachronistic and out of time, like there's just something unique about uh, the way that it, not only that it looks, but like that it's written and that it feels like and the places that it goes. and um, And that makes it, I think, interesting, again, as this sort of yeah. time capsule, this sort of like retro pop song.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, when you talk about being anachronistic, it's literally about uh, a media format mm. that is now obsolete. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you were to reboot it, it would obviously be Virtual Tube or
0: Streaming Girl AI.
1: Yeah, that would that would be it. Um, but I will say this, though. The the era, as I understand it, of OVAs from the 80s and 90s, and this is not all of them, of course, I've seen plenty of good stuff from that time that I've actually been watching this year, like things like Gunsmith Cats, which is great, Or Bubblegum Crisis, which is great. Or Dirty Pear, which is fucking phenomenal. I could go on. You might know, by the way, that all of those are, like, female-led ones. Um, Usually because the male-led ones, the the men are fucking terrible. (laughs) They're awful human beings. But my point is, right, like, a lot of the OVAs, like, the stuff that was made at the time was ultra-violent garbage. Like, especially, with often with a lot of, like, awful, like, nudity and all that sort of shit. For all its faults that Video Girl Eye has, save for one which I haven't yet mentioned, it is still a well-intentioned uh, work, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. this is, again, something to bear in mind. This was, hap- this was made in Japan, obviously. But, like, the idea of, like, Hikiko Mori and such, um, you know, emotional shut-ins, like, that, at the time, I think, was not necessarily a unique concept to Japan, but a unique, like, something that Japan probably understood was a problem more acutely than, like, the US or the UK did at the time. I could be talking out of my ass. So I'm not a historian of, well, anything, really. <laughs> but it's the impression I get. So the fact that this manga, like, existed prior to the show, and then the show came out in 992 was trying to directly, literally address to the audience, like, that, hey, I'm here to help, and then to offer, like, the complex look at Moemi as, like, a real person, like, as, you know, in at least the first episode. And then also, like, that love is painful, uh, or can be painful. But that it's worth it for that fleeting moment, and to enjoy the time that you have. Yeah, man. While it fumbles the ball re- real hard. It is well intentioned, and I respect it for that, especially in that time period.
0: Yeah, I think you you hit on an important point that I forgot to mention about the Zeitgeist at the time. It feels like this is one of those like the early ish attempts to bring otaku into the story, right? Like, um, yes, as, as the main character. Because uh, like, you know, it's th- there's not a lot of those kind of anime stories in the previous decade that that I'm aware of. Like, there's a lot of fantasy and science fiction and everything like that. But like this, this is that this is a fantastical, magical sort of sci fi story. But like, it's bringing the otaku and a- into the story. Um, So, you know, and and he's not like a super anime nerd or whatever, but he's just sort of. You know, he's a loser. <laughs> he's Yes. Yeah, it's
1: it's a Go ahead. It's about very real feelings of inadequacy and self-loathing. Like, for all the, the, the technology of the show is anachronistic, the the feelings that it deals with are universal and timeless and will always be timeless.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And at like, least it's at like so... it's it's at this point, right, like before stuff like uh fucking uh shield hero and all that where yeah it's like okay uh sort of artist who doesn't have a lot of friends and who rents video girls this is why i assume he's otaku because you know that feels like a very sort of uh that that feels like a, a shorthand way to characterize someone like that um th- this is a story that is not saying like uh you know you deserve everything uh, and everyone should bend to your will, and it's time for you now to get revenge upon the world that has wronged you. This is like saying, like, "Hey, like, we understand you, but also like, there's some stuff you need to learn, and which yeah, can meet we in want the middle." To be better. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> like that—that's the thing about this show that I can always respect, even if it's not particularly great at it. It wants the audience to learn something. It wants them to grow up just a little bit at the end of the show, mm-hmm. just as it does. I mean, like I said, I literally speak to the audience or so we think using that little flourish, that little trick at the very start of the show. Mm-hmm. So the, the the point is made, this is something that you're meant to learn from as well. And it's maybe accepts that you yourself are suffering, but that you can learn from it. So yeah, I have respect for it for that. Save for one thing. Lay it on me. <sighs> Remind me, Doc. Were you there when we talked about the? Uh, I think you and I both did simultaneously uh, the first batch of episodes of Bottom Tier character Tomazaki.
0: Yes, I. I think
1: I think after a point you had to leave to because uh, you were on holiday, if I recall.
0: Yeah, I didn't get but... to do the end of it, but I did the first half-ish of it. So yes.
1: Yeah. Do you Do you recall how I got more positive as we went along? But I mentioned uh-huh. that there was one damning black mark against that show. Despite how well intentioned it was in trying to make the female characters seem, again, three-dimensional.
0: I do recall that.
1: Let's talk about fan service. Okay. Yay! My most favorite topic. Right, groundwork ground rules. Let's do some housekeeping here before we even talk about it, because every time this suit gets brought up, I always think stuff oh, is gonna be some fucking greasy haired, <laughs> right wing, 4chan browsing swatbag bag, who's going to come into my fucking Twitter and go? Like, well, actually, actually, stayed you FJW cuck. Yeah, I'm making <laughs> up a character, but fuck them. I don't, I don't have any respect for the right wing these days. They don't deserve anything but scorn. Anyway, let's put some groundwork out there. I am not against fan service in general. I like my boobs. I like my butts. I like my boobs and my butts. The shows I mentioned before that were from around this same area: Gunsmith Cats, uh, Dirty Pair. Bubblegum Crisis. Boobs and Butts in Nose are plenty. Absolutely fine with it. Don't read quite enjoyed don't,
0: it. Don't read the uh Gunsmith Cat's manga though. I would
1: Yeah, I have I have heard that's quite rough actually. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Like Yuri from Dirty Pear, super hot. Would let her kill me any day. Okay. So we've got that out there,
0: right? Which one is but, Yuri? Redhead or uh, Burnett? She, blue blue. Okay, yeah. Blue, oh, we, yes, same I I prefer the same one. They're both cool. K-, but, yeah.
1: K, K is a very, very close second, though. Oh yeah, to to to, to the point where it's almost a toss up. But anyway, so, however, when fan service has to be employed intelligently, in the same way that anything has to be employed intelligently in the writing or creation of a work of fiction, this is why I mean, for example, like when I say that, like, you know what? You can totally write about rape in a in a work of fiction. You absolutely can, but you have to fucking think about it. You have to use it like you have to put it in in the work with intent and with delicacy and tax you know you don't just put it in like because it's a bad thing that happens to women most of the time you know you've got to be intelligent about she shit.
0: needs a tragic backstory how do we do that oh i know now i know
1: yeah as opposed to actually putting any thought into it so same with fan service if you want to put fan service in stuff it has to be with intent Like, the shows that I mentioned, particularly Dirty Pair, Dirty Pair was about two hot ladies doing awesome sci-fi adventures. The fan service was great in that because it gelled with the idea. The fan service in Video Girl Eye doesn't gel with the idea of the show. Because you recall I mentioned about Moemi, Mm -hmm. about her being presented as a three-dimensional character. One of the... Cool things the show does is that I comes out of the television and immediately starts acting against what Yota thinks is her type. Mm-hmm. Because again, one of the defined features of a video girl, as I mentioned before, is that they're entirely predictable. It's a linear sequence of images and audio. You know exactly what they're going to say, and it's pretty much calibrated to making you feel good. And then, of course, I comes out and starts beating the ever living shit out of him, which is funny. But also, it shows that, like, just like with Moemi, Um, real women, you know, are unpredictable, which is fine, that's a good thing. Um, you know, and they're not gonna necessarily behave in ways that you believe they should or otherwise would expect. And that's true for any human being for that matter. So it's telling you to respect their agency, to respect you know, the fact that they have free will. So why do we have things like panty shots when I is being electrocuted in the alley? When she's in a moment of extreme vulnerability and is nearly dying? Why do we have to see that? Why is that there? Do you see what I mean about the... Oh, yeah. Unintelligent oh, yeah. Use of... Absolutely. Yeah. That is that is why I would describe as unintelligent use of fan service. I don't mind, for example, I being sexy when she's coming on to Yosa because that's part of the point. But when you're literally showing a panty shot of her while she's dying in an alley, dying in a fucking alley, <laughs> you've you've made a mistake. You are not... The, the fan service is not in agreement with the theme of the show, or one of the themes of the show, which is, women are three-dimensional people who deserve to be respected and to have their agency and free will. You know, well, Unless they're video girls. Like, they're not
0: real. They're not real people, then. Remember?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm just busting your balls. I agree I, with you. I, I agree I know, with I you. Yeah, I mean, this, like... Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It it's like, like I said, it's the gift and the curse <laughs> that this is like, the the collection of uh tropes of the era, um, and it it's true to form. It's true to type. This is uh, and I don't mean to say this to trivialize it or to say it's not a big deal or anything like that. I agree with you that it uh, you know, there is fan service that is in poor taste uh in this anime that is that is not to my liking um but i you mean the scene of her being
1: crucified with all the with all the mm-hmm. bonds around her like that felt a bit crass to me to be honest it just felt unnecessary mm. like ugh.
2: yeah
0: well i mean ugh. you know it's not for us there are some people that i guess uh enjoy it or or feel it's symbolic or i don't know i don't know but um look I'm with what
1: the sh- at least yeah. they're just I,
0: uh drawings rather than actual people <laughs> so. that is something to be said at <laughs> but least, but like yeah. to speak to your point like i mean i think we can agree like um that the w- what we kind of see is like the themes of the show are actively being undermined by that imagery
1: yep that's why I said in, in Tomozaki, like, hey, you've got Aoi and, uh, you know, all the other characters and all, and me, 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 you know, the beak girl. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're at, like, you know, Tomozaki's being taught to treat them like real people. But the camera, for lack of a better phrase in the anime, is not treating them like real people. So this, they're in a disagreement. And this is the same here. So, whoops.
0: Yeah. Oh, never yep. mind. Yeah, that is, um... I don't really, I don't really I mean, know the- what to say about it. I don't... <laughs> It's, it's. I mean, I don't want to say it is what it is because I don't want to make it seem like I either disagree with you or think it's a trivial point, but I think you've you've said all there is to say about it.
1: Well, actually, I have one more thing to say, which is this bothers me more than if it had just been one of those ultra-violent, like, you know, misogynist shows. I know that might sound strange, but again, I must stress, it's because they've clearly put thought into the material, uh, whether, like, the mangaka or the actual creators of the show... Where they want to show, like someone like Moemi is someone who has like an inner life and actual emotions and all that, and then this goes against it, like it, like it's discordant. Whereas, like whatever you want to say about a misogynist piece of shit rape show or whatever, and that don't make, don't misunderstand me, it is or those kind of things are awful and reprehensible. At least, at least they consistent. It feels to me like a, a twist on that old like you know um, philosophical debate. What's worse, a racist who doesn't know. Or a race who's open about it? I'll leave that for you to own to decide. But yeah, that did bother me. So there you go. Fan there's discussion over. Right. I actually want to move on to some, some positive stuff though, because I have other things to bring up, believe it or not.
2: Okay.
0: Um,
1: let's talk about, co-
0: sorry, go on. Oh, well, I was, uh, I, I was just going to say that for, for uh, may I, may I talk about one thing real quick? Um, yeah, do it. Just re asking the question I asked earlier. Uh, For us to think about, you know, if the show, uh, does rise above the thing that the first shot seems to, uh, tell Yota to rise above. So I'll restate, you know, I comes out of the television, just as you said, just now, Hey, uh, your fantasy is actually this real person who, You know, in real life, you're going to have friction with, and they're going to behave differently than than you might want or think is ideal. But that's great. That's what living is, and and living with other people, and it's worth it. And you gotta, and and getting together with them, and and you know, having relationships is is cool and awesome. Um, I, you know, I think this ties in with the point you just said about um about the fan service, right? Kind of undermining some of that like i i just don't know if that like message like if if i'm reading too much into it by seeing that like if if the fan service plus the ending you know plus takashi's assholishness to moemi and kind of the things i read into that if like all that stuff doesn't outweigh the good and like, it really is what this really is at the end of the day is it's a video girl. Like it's just this emotional, emotionally comforting kind of fantasy story. Um, and it's not really trying to at the end of the day, like push the people that would, that would watch it and obsess over it and collect it. Uh, out of their comfort zone or kind of tell them anything mm. about human relationships. I really don't know. Um, if it succeeds. Yeah. <sighs> uh,
1: well, my honest answer is I don't think it does. I think it tries and you could be right in that maybe I'm the one who's reading too much into this. Like maybe I'm giving it too much credit. I, I mean, I do have more things to bring up, but I, that wouldn't, they won't take away from the overall point you're making, which is that maybe it was simply just a fantasy story. Um, in which case, I would say it was very underwhelming. Um, I was... I feel like it could have been so much better. I mean... Uh, yeah. I don't have really much more to answer it than like that. Like, what if it the just, girl from
2: your
0: favorite video game came to life? Sure, like, then she wouldn't be following a script, and, you know, you would fight sometimes or whatever, but she would love you almost immediately because there's not really this period where i doesn't like uh yota you know they they mm-hmm. they push against each other but like very like it's clear really really early on that she cares about him and thinks he's cute and likes him and then loves him and like yeah i mean by the end of episode 2 you know she's like shedding tears because she's having to lie and say she's not in love with him um so i don't know man yeah i don't, I don't know
1: you're, yeah you're right a little bit of stockholm syndrome perhaps who knows like or was that even a finger that could have happened in the first place did she ever have any free will and i suppose i should stress and i hope you'll agree with me on this talk. like the things we're bringing up if the show were expanded and actually questioned these things it would be brilliant like i've said it before and i'll say it again and i'll say it probably like you know while i'm expiring my hospital bed to say fuck you, shield hero, or something like that. Which is, <laughs> if you have a problem in a work that a critic can point out, you know what you can do as a writer, before you at least create the work and put it out in the world? Turn it into a strength.
0: Indeed, you indeed. Know? Go on. You could.
1: You, like, like, let's say the fan service. Like, if you put the fan service as something that's happening from Yota's perspective, which actually it does at a few points, um, and then you have I call him out on that, and then the fan service stops... There's, you know, then there's, like, you know, a, a change. There's a shift in something. You've taken a problem and turned it into a strength. You're using it for, like, a, a narrative reason. Um, You could take Takashi, as I say, in his dickishness and then maybe build on that. Why is he a dick, you know? It's giving him a, a backstory that explains his behaviour and all that. Um, Do more things... Like, all... I feel like, in a way, thinking about it, that this show is, like, a very rough first draft. Because all of the elements there that would make it, like, into a strong, like, you know, a strong tale about, like, a young man growing up and learning to deal with his own, like, perceived inadequacies and self-loathing. All of the pieces are in place. They just don't have anywhere near enough meat on the bone.
0: Maybe the manga does a better job with this. You know, it was often the case that whether or not they were complete stories, OAVs were like, you know, an advertisement for the real thing, the manga or, or the books or whatever. Mm. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that's the case, but we don't know that all we can do is judge video (laughs) girl. I, the 1992 OAV that we have.
1: Yeah, we could, we could judge it on its merits singular or thereof.
0: yeah right right we're right
1: oh oh. all right well anyway speaking of marriage so let's be fair like i want to talk about something positive let's talk about comedy for a moment yeah so i want to talk about the reaction i had to episode one and what happened when i actually arrived and started screwing up yosa's life uh, and i say that in a good way because the yosa's reaction to having an actual girl in his room is i think so perfect because <laughs> he has no idea what the fuck to do <laughs> but something I should be cl- something I should be clear on here. It would be very easy for the show to be mean spirited towards him about that. Look at this nerd. Uh, clue. He's got a <laughs> woman in this room, and he ain't got a fucking clue. What a dog! Uh, <laughs> uh. Like it would be so easy for that to happen. But I think that the show actually manages to avoid that through its use of comedy to do this. And what do I mean? What happens with Yota when I turns up is so slapstick. So ridiculous that I think that while, like, you know, when he's going through all these magazines, like how to handle women or whatever, (laughs) like, he has no clue. But it's presented in such a silly way through the animation and, like, his exasperated reactions that I think it completely passes by the point where you feel like it's being mean spirited. It's too ridiculous to be shaming him. And I think, therefore, the comedy, at least in that first episode in particular, is very intelligently done. It also I think emphasizes like the fact that I is larger than life like and also how she's brightened up his life like his life prior to that point was stale and now all this crazy wacky shit is happening in a way it's also kind of genius because his life has literally turned into a a, a television show a cartoon because of what's <laughs> happening with her it's actually kind of brilliant so the comedy um for the most part there was a trans panic joke that I thought, you know what? This didn't fly then. It doesn't fly now. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, can we just not have that? Uh, but for the most part, I think it's in the way it's used is very, very intelligent. Um, that's one of the things where I think to myself, like if they'd applied that level of thinking to the rest of the scripts, I think it could have been a gem, but well, never mind.
0: <laughs> um, I-, I should note that, uh, Takayuki Gotō, who we talked about as the character designer for for I, also was the animation director for episode one. So I don't know who did the uh. I don't know who did the cut you're talking about, but we can, you know, Gotō-san at least like, you know, was had the final thumbs up say right of like okay th- this is good we're putting this in there so we'll give him credit for for those as you say extremely funny and funnily animated scenes of him looking through how to have sex for the first time or what to do once you have a girl in your room and stuff you know
1: yeah yeah getting the shit kicks out because
0: yeah that too yeah the
1: the lesson behind because because the truth of it is a kid his age especially someone of his particular demographic which again i must stress is overlaid with the target demographic of course they wouldn't have a fucking clue they'd be super awkward it would be they'd be complete dolls about it and it would be very easy to say for it to make him feel bad and by pro- or like to mock him and by proxy mock the audience. But thankfully it doesn't because it just goes so far past that, how- like it almost likes to the comedic event arising and how stupid it all is. One other thing about the comedy, by the way, it is very strictly limited to what happens between I and Yota. There's no similar moments with him. <laughs> no. And there's no, and that I think is a very subtle but welcome distinction. Yeah. Because it's her that's altering the world around her. Like, she's so larger than life. And I think that really, really works for the show.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good point. Um, And I felt like all the, like, uh, sex jokes and a lot of the fan service early on, like, I didn't really mind because it felt like I was just busting Shota's balls in a figurative sense. Yeah. Yeah. and so I don't know. It did that. That I felt wasn't uh, didn't really run as counter to the message of the show as what you spoke yeah. about happening in like the later episodes. Where yeah, as,
1: as I mentioned, the early stuff is is generally okay, but that like those specific moments, like they drop the ball. Yeah, the hands off.
0: The yeah, ball. yeah, which I I totally. They, I, I feel what you're saying there for sure.
1: Yeah. What they didn't take their hands off, though, was the fact that they. uh, Video Girl Eye is secretly the best Terminator sequel since Terminator 2. (laughs) How did they. We're, of course, talking about (laughs) Firm (laughs) Rule 3 Storming the Relentless. (laughs) The wonderful Terminator 3 parody. Oh, Um, goodness. (laughs) Fun fun fact, by the way, I only recently rewatched Terminator 2, actually. Um, Literally last Sunday. (laughs) And. You know what? I've seen all of the Terminator films that came after Terminator 2 except for Dark Fate because I've, well, I left the abusive relationship, <laughs> yes. so to speak. <laughs> and honestly that, like, five second clip of a fake Arnie um, using the lever-action shotgun was the best Terminator sequel after 2. I'm not even really joking, to be honest. All the other Terminator films are shite. Uh, right. Okay, what else can we talk about? Should we talk about Glass Staircase?
0: We can. Um, let me quickly say that there were multiple uh, professional wrestling moves implemented in this show, and I, I enjoyed that <laughs> a lot. Those were always fun jokes. Like, not the generic, the like, oh, no, like, she's choking him. That's a wrestling chokehold. No, 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 no. Uh, in episode one, she uh, she sits on the small of his back, and hold, grabbing his uh, legs around his like knee or thigh area under her arms and like pulling them up to stretch his back. That's the Boston Crab, uh, other, <laughs> sometimes known as the Walls of Jericho. Uh, but it's the Boston Crab. It was very uh, effectively shown. Like this person clearly knows their wrestling holds. And then, yeah, she she did a suplex on him. Not just any old suplex. She did a German suplex with a beautiful bridge. Uh, Her back was bridging very, very nicely. Uh, And then also, at some point in the middle, um, the Cobra Twist comes out, uh, which was Antonio Inoki's, uh, one of his favorite holds, where she's like, uh, how do I describe what's happening there? Like, she is uh, sort of has her hips against his hips, but is reaching across his body to pull his arm in a certain sort of way that will stretch his abdominal area. (laughs) It's, it's very good. It's a very accurate depiction. Again, these are very, very specific references and I appreciated them.
1: Yeah. I recognize I've seen those before, but I just couldn't put the names to them, but they're still, yeah, they're still pretty cool. All right. All right. So glass staircase. Um, I was surprised by how bloody this got, but I have to say, is it, a bad thing that the show outright explains what the metaphor that that is meant that is meant to signify. I mean, like the Rolex says it outright. I don't know. It's like, whatever.
0: Like again, I like this is not like high literature that we're dealing with
1: here. So it's it's no. kind of
0: whatever. Um,
1: yeah. Do do you do you think that like? That it's an, like Well, not an accurate depiction, but you feel like it's fair to say that love can be painful. Oh, God, it, like, yes. Because it, cause it's such an extreme amount of, like, injury that Yosa gets, mm-hmm. like, physically. Like, he's battered bloody and bleeding, like he's torn torn to shreds by the end of it. And I thought it might have gone a bit too far. Like, you know, uh, relationships, like, you know, they do have their ups and downs and all that. And we've talked about the hedgehog dilemma before and such. Mm-hmm. But this, to me, I think just like, well, you know, you talk about the excesses of the year. I can but wonder if that, no pun intended, bled through into
0: it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe. I mean, I think like this is, what I took from the whole that love is pain deal, right? Was not that like, uh, how do I say N- Not that relationships have their ups and downs as in you're going to fight, you know or whatever uh, or she's going to cause you pain or you're going to cause her pain um, which which can be true for sure um, but you know she was actively suffering and he was trying to save her and that like seeing someone that you love go through something terrible like can be really really painful and yeah hey if you didn't love him you could spare yourself all that pain it wouldn't be painful at all but like loving someone it's just like with with all the time imagery right like loving someone means that you know eventually you're gonna lose them uh because either the relationship will end or one of you will die uh so and if you're with them for a long time they're probably gonna go through something shitty or you are and uh someone you you suffer because you care um that's more along the lines that i was thinking uh am i way off base that's
1: no I, th- I think you're right i think you're right i'm i don't know like i feel like it just got very unsubtle manic, oh, definitely. And, 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 you know, yeah yeah and you know what i said before about like how this show would be ripe for a remake i feel like that's something you could tone down to all flesh out um yes. but anyway just, i have, I have can one send final a thing.
0: text message with the theme <laughs> oh god Dear Yota, the theme of this part of the trial is...
1: <laughs> Rolex on TikTok. Let's go. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: So, I, I I have one final thing. um, Just to tie what, how Moemi is portrayed and also how I is portrayed, like, one of the things that Yota has is he has a picture of Moemi on his desk, which, a little creepy. little creepy, but mm-hmm. I think he's innocent enough about it. But I actually think that there's a point behind that, which is it's meant to represent that he has an idealized image of her in his head. Like when I'm talking about making her into a three-dimensional person, I'm not just talking about how the show presents her to us, but also how she is presented to him, or how he views her. And so, is it not appropriate that I, um, in moving away from like a scripted, like you know, sequence of images on a, a VHS to a fully, uh, a, like a full fleshed person with agency and free will? that in turn, like, Yota starts to see Moemi at some point, like, uh, not as the caricature of her that lives in his head, but as someone with shades and size so that he didn't realize.
0: And Dead Silence. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Did you ask me a question? I missed the question. No, I, I finished oh, my point. was okay. Yes. Okay, my bad. I'm sorry about that. Yes. 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 Um... <laughs> <laughs> do you can i can i ask you a question
1: uh sure okay
0: and if you responded to that silence you're you'd be a real meanie so don't don't be mean um <laughs> do you think the show does an okay job at capturing the feeling of unrequited love
1: you know what i didn't bring up the scene in which um the when moemi like first reveal oh no i did bring it up i didn't mention it uh in more detail the scene in which moemi speaks about um you know like at the fountain where she says like she loves Takashi, and he's like just over there Mm -hmm. the color seat the the color palette in this show when like characters are emotionally fragile or vulnerable is great like it's all like music cut browns like washed out Mm. um i think that works really well for that um and Yota, like, you know, weeping into eyes arms. Like, because it's not just about him simply like having the unrequired look, but also like how it impacts him as a person, like, and how it makes him feel like almost like radiation, I suppose, is the way I describe it. Like, mm. you know, it makes him feel sick. Yeah. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I I would say it does an okay job. I would, however, prefer it did a, a more rounded job of sewing Momi's side a bit in a bit more detail. Mm. Um because you know what we're talking about, like, how she feels like a doormat to Takashi and how it, like how he acts? Yes. Um, which, is, which is not an unreasonable criticism. I would again point you to my mantra, which is, turn a problem into a strength. Why does she feel that way? Why is she feeling, like, you know, feeling she has to f- be in love with him? Like, give us, like, some inner thoughts from her. And I don't mean, like, literally in a monologue. Like, maybe have her, like, write to a diary or something. I don't know. <laughs> like
0: no 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 so you we, have we her leave have her leave audio diaries around that yota picks up and finds on his quest and listens to them uh, and he has to collect them as a side quest
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> or you could or you could do the, the the terrible thing and have moemi get a video boy and then video <laughs> boy whatever his name is a video girl i start having fights yeah um mm-hmm. by the way, I've just realized that's basically the premise of a Keekin. You might remember me that in, in an audio essay <laughs> I forgot so, yeah about what, whatever you want to say whatever we want, whatever you want to say about this show and its problems, it's not a <laughs> it's not even close as in it's substantially better. Thank Christ for that
0: <laughs> thank Christ indeed um yeah i agree, no, I agree no, with it. you. I think it does an okay job of uh there was definitely a point in the show that like I felt. My heart being poked, uh, because I remembered what it was like to have a crush on someone that definitely did not like I, me. I, hashtag been there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not too bad. Um, but you know, straight male watching it here, so I am the intended audience, and the the same demo as the dude creating it, and all that jazz. So,
1: hi. Uh, right um i have nothing more to add i think i've spoken about as much length as i can beyond saying like better luck next time i guess
0: yeah Um, i don't have anything new to add um i will say that like again i uh i did not hate this i i hope that that's not the impression that i'm giving i i do not think that this is a terrible anime or hateable or like super bad or super offensive um like I thought it was you know, as I said, like a pop song in that enjoyable, familiar um of its time uh historically kind of fun uh to to think about and, and revisit a little nostalgia there um so yeah, I mean, while I don't think it's like the deepest narrative, like we teased more out from it than I thought we would um there's there's clearly more more there that but that happens during podcasts with you we we talk about a lot of uh, interesting stuff Shadon um, but you know I, I thought I'm I generally speaking am positive on it despite like you know it's this very flawed thing uh, but but I my time with it uh, I you know I or mild enjoyment uh, and I enjoyed thinking about it uh, even more than I enjoyed watching it
1: yeah I, I i overall i can't recommend it
2: really right because right.
1: Th- there are I, I, like the video format that i live on it is obsolete there are better stories about male like trauma and longing and such um there are better sex comedy shows i mean i can't remember the name of it what's the one i keep bringing the up, uh, that's that's the one thank you like that's better than it um There are better, like, short, like, OVAs even from the period, generally. Um, It is an obsolete show. But, but, don't let that be a criticism of what it was at the time, because I respect it for trying to tackle the subject matter it does in that particular era, when it would have been so, so easy for it to just be a lame, etchy show (laughs) where, like, where like, Moemi and, like, I want to bang him simultaneously, and all he ever has is raging nosebleeds. <laughs> I can see that version of Video Girl Eye in my awesome. mind. <laughs> and I'm very glad we're not in that timeline. Yeah. And, moreover, like, remember, as I said with her, like, fiction is not medicine for the mind or the heart. If it was, it would be prescribed. It is not. Because it's not going to work the same as it does from one person to the next. But whether someone watched this in 1992 or 2022, and if it helped them, if it gave them the comfort of a video girl, in a sense, if you know what I mean, if it gave them that just moment of peace, like an enjoyment and help them, you know, get over their own trauma or grief or like, you know, lack of confidence, even just a tiny little bit, that will all, I'll always respect it for that. So yeah, it, it has my respect, even though I think that ultimately if you were to watch it, I would say just do so as a curiosity, Uh but otherwise, yeah. Uh, I know that sounds like a bit of a cop-out answer, but I mean, kudos to it for trying. They like when they were trying in this show, when the creators were trying, they were really trying. I felt like they were putting their best foot forward. Like I is a lovely character. She's very fun. Um, was it Megumi Hashibara? Did you say yes? Was, Megumi was Hashibara. Yes, yes. She is fan fucking task in the role. Everyone else is doing a fine performance as well. I shouldn't be like just giving her sole credit. I'll give her most of it. Um, there's some very moody, lovely scenes like when the can gets kicked down from the fountain, uh, and like the weight of like the emotions of these teenagers feels like it's pressing down the world. The muted colors, the whacked out like dire straits nonsense of the final episode. <laughs> um... When this show is pumping, like, real iron, when it's, when it's really putting its effort in, it's great, it's just not doing it all the way through. And that's such a fucking shame, because I don't want, I, in an ideal world, I wouldn't be saying, I'd be saying the opposite of my previous joke. I would be saying, unlike VHS, this show isn't obsolete. Hey, 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 hey. I'd be doing that. <laughs> But I can't, I can't in good conscience, but I can't also deny that it probably has helped people and made, like, you know, done them good, or that people have enjoyed it, and also that, for the time, it was shockingly progressive. (laughs) I know that sounds strange, (laughs) given what I've said about the fan service, but that was for the time when you had shit like Uruska Doji, or whatever it was fucking called, um, and tentacles galore and all that was (laughs) shite, so gold star gold sticker participation <laughs> that's a trophy. low bar
0: that you cleared not uh not as bad as the most notoriously uh uh you know hentai OAV uh to hit the major markets in the west <laughs> um yeah, huh? not, not as bad as that i yeah i think it's like i agree with you like i think it's like a the video Girl i historical kind of uh interest you know if 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 you want to watch something like this from back in the day if, if you want something that gives you late 80s vibes early 90s vibes uh that aesthetic that music uh what anime was like back then like you could do a lot worse i think than this and it's you know it'd be a fun time uh but nothing too much more than that
1: yeah and that's it from me uh, i've got nothing more to add except thank you very much for listening everyone i hope you've all enjoyed our discussion of a show that i don't think is available to stream <laughs> i know i, know, I, I know you have to
0: it's out of print uh it's not available streaming and so uh the, the anime world has largely forgotten about this show at this point 30 years later and that's just what happens with old media uh, you know, as sh- shame as it can be, that is just sort of the natural life cycle in these things, but I'm glad we were able to cover it. Um, and then we'll not be the last old anime that, that we cover on the show. Cause let me tell you something folks out there. Uh, the here, here's our schedule for the upcoming podcast we're going to be doing. So next time in our non anime episode, uh, we're going to be covering, uh, Hideaki Anno's Shin Godzilla. Yes, the new or true Godzilla from the director of Neon Genesis Evangelion and Shin Ultraman. Um, just awesome movie that I can't wait to talk about. Uh, super excited for that. Uh, and then after that. We are going to hit some more old animation on. Uh, yeah, we're going to watch not one, not two, but three more movies we're gonna watch oh my god mobile suit gundam the original film trilogy
1: oh my god yes from you know what's 1980 you know what's you know what's funny you probably don't even know this but i've been very slowly but steadily working my way through iron-blooded orphans
0: i i fucking didn't know that (laughs) that's
1: no that's awesome i i i am about nine episodes in and i have to say Every Gundam I have watched since Wing makes Wing look like such an absolute <laughs> joke. Yeah. It's almost such. because Gundam Wing Iron-Blooded Orphans is doing the bunch of 15-year-old kids working in a military and using a Gundam. Oh man. Infinitely better. So, it's so much I, better. It's almost It's such a shock. Um but I've been enjoying it. I love the fact that the main Gundam is a junk, junky piece of shit but also, like, is really tough and has a giant spade. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically
0: is a weapon. Uh, what is it, it is called? Because it looks gnarly. Barbados. Yeah, I really like the Barbados and the sort of uh, the, the newer versions of it also that kind of come along. Um, I like that design yeah. a lot and how it looks super fucking edgy, and I'm here for it.
1: It it, it looks like it looks like the, the Gundam version of, like, that tough burly miner. Yeah. Comes out like you know, and and it's, like covered in scars and mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's seen some action. It's great. um Whereas the thing I hated about Wing was just how easily they just carve through anything, like <laughs> tissue paper. just
0: ballet dancing in space through through other drones and shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My mobile dolls will
1: <laughs> defeat the gandams with ease. And then Hero destroys them all in a Gundam wow. that doesn't have anything working, that, save for the beam saber and the air con. That was,
0: that was a great impression of generic uh, Gundam Wing dub villain. I enjoyed that a lot. Um,
1: yeah, that that episode is forever burned in my memory because we've discussed it before when I talked about like when I first started watching random shows on Tsunami in the UK, uh-huh. like when I was 16. And it's forever burned in my memory, even before I really got into critically analyzing stuff, where I was just like, he spent ages talking about how awesome these remote pilots in <laughs> Gundams are, and then hero just decimates them in a broken gundam and and it, i just thought is this a joke mm-hmm. is this a complete and utter joke and the answer to that is by the city you mean the series yes
0: <laughs> uh but we're, we're gonna be watching not wing thankfully and not ibo um I'm not opposed to it, but uh, but I think it is too long for us to cover in a single pod. Two seasons, uh, it's yeah. It's like 52 episodes all told, I think. Um, it is, but, yes. But the original Mobile Suit Gundam TV series that got canceled uh, was remade and recut into three films and released a year or two after um, after its original run ended on television. And it's, you know that is the show that started at all as far as the massive mega franchise known as Gundam. So I think it will be really cool for us to cover it. Three movies might sound like a lot. Um, it's actually not, I, I don't think it's too much more runtime than video girl. I, you know, each movie is a, you know, a little more than two hours long. So it's probably about like seven hours or like a season's worth of, uh, of anime. Um, but they are.
1: Video Girl I was was three hours long because uh, it was six episodes of thirty minutes. But you oh. know what's like, three, I don't know what three, I was three, thinking. Three, I, was, I can't do math. Three, <laughs> look, it's late. <laughs> uh, but free, free, free movies of old school like Prime Rib Gundam, and not the uh, you know, the the fucking like you know whopper uh, that was Gundam Wing one made from mystery meat uh-huh. yeah i'm totally i'm that. really i mean i remember curious
0: to see what you think are we going to make two fan bases the godzilla fan base and the gundam fan base angry time will tell i'm curious what you'll think Shadon.
1: look look shin godzilla can in no way be anywhere near as bad as the role of one.
0: <laughs> it's it's in fact think, much better. I,
1: I think i think i think when i mean look i've got an idea of what shin godzilla is about i've read a little bit about it and I'm actually super excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, my opinion, again, on Evangelion, as outdated and, like, as in need of a refresh as it is, like, it has always been, it's all right. Which, you know, is the most blasphemous opinion of all when you just don't really care it one way or the other. Um, but I'm not going to deny that Arno, like, had a strong vision for that show. And taking that with, like, a beloved Toho property like Godzilla, it does have me excited. So mm-hmm. yeah, the future is the future is very interesting. we have a lot to talk yeah. about. I, suspect. I don't I think... mean and as for Gundam. Go ahead. As for Gundam, I mean we did War in the Pocket, and that was one of the best fucking robot shows I have ever seen. It made Macross look like a kid's toy by comparison of parts.
0: Well damn you know how much I
1: fucking love <laughs> Macross.
0: Yeah. Wow, strong them's them's fighting words. Better.
1: It, look g- gundam war in the pocket is a fighting word it is, show, it is excellent fuck it is an
0: export show it,
1: it, it has an active disdain for its audiences like continued like desire for robot war like giant robot content um mm-hmm. and the trivialization of the deaths of like innocent civilians it is actively angry against its own existence <laughs> and i love it for that
0: yeah yeah and you know uh, i don't know that Shin Godzilla is streaming anywhere, Um, although it is uh, I don't think it's terribly expensive to rent, Uh, but Gundam, the three films, are streaming on Netflix in the United States Uh, They might be on Hulu, they were for a time Um, They are not on Crunchyroll, the TV series is on Crunchyroll, but again, we'll be talking about the film trilogy of the original 0079 Gundam, First Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam Goes by many names, but that film trilogy is on Netflix, so you can catch it there. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's gonna do it. We have we've done the Video Girl AI podcast. Uh, Shadon, thank you for uh, picking Video Girl AI for us to talk about and for chatting with me on this podcast. It's always a pleasure. Um,
1: indeed, thank you in turn,
0: Doc. Yes, indeed. Uh, if people want to uh, contact you on The internet and send you a video girl. uh, How could they? How could they do that?
1: Uh, You know, you can rent me on tape from your local Blockbuster. Awesome. You can't do that. Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. The tapes are a different matter entirely. But anyway, no jokes aside. You can find me at Shade and Ten Ten on Twitter. You can ask me about all sorts of stuff. I'm currently on a bit of a Final Fantasy fourteen, like brain rot, shall we say. Um, having having just completed Shadowbringers, which was fantastic for the most part, but it was still really fucking good. Um, it gave me feels, it made mm. me care. Um, I, it gave me things to think about. Um, it's really unfortunate that a story that good is trapped in the confines of MMO, where it has to work to do certain things that actually undermine it a little bit. But never mind. It's
0: true. Uh, that's so true. It's also unfortunate that you couldn't stream it because your game kept crashing.
1: Yeah, uh, for all that, like Final Fantasy XIV is like really good. Um, the game engine is held together with duct tape, string, and one wad of gum. Only the one, by the way. No more <laughs> wads than that. Uh, and it just got to the point where I was like, I-, I actually once had to completely reinstall my graphics drivers after a crash when I was streaming Final Fantasy XIV. That's how bad it got. And it crashed. Like, the most recent instant, it crashed four times when I was trying to stream, and I just thought, you know what? Fuck this noise. Uh, I tried, I did it in good faith, but the game would not meet me halfway on that. So there you go. Mm. But yeah, take it from me, Shadowbringers, every bit as good as its reputation is, with some... Little niggles. You know what that noise means. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm currently working through the remaining um, main story quests of Shadowbringers, because there's like patch-related MSQs, as they're called, uh, which are released after the expansion comes out. So I'm just progressing... Through those, they're like the bridge between that and the end expansion that everyone's lost their mind over, which is Endwalker. I am pumped as fuck to to play Endwalker. What um, are you going to do with yourself do you?
0: after Endwalker?
1: <laughs> uh, you gonna take a break? I feel like it's gonna be, it's gonna be like the ending of that South Park episode about World of Warcraft, where after they beat the big bad guy, like what do we do? And they just keep grinding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, South Park has its problems in, in many, many respects, but that was a very astute observation on its part. I will give it
2: that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I might. Well, for one, there's like the Marvel Spider-Man game that's on PC, so I might play that and uh, generally just try and watch and read more stuff rather than having my time to, consumed by that. Who knows? We'll see. Keep an eye on my Twitter. There'll be content. Yay, content.
0: <laughs> He's going to play as Kermit. You're going to install the Kermit the Frog mod in Spider-Man for PC. That's what I heard. Of, yes.
1: <laughs> what gave the impression I wouldn't?
0: Not not a thing. I'm just telling the audience. Um,
1: Look, it's very easy being green for me, I'll have you know.
0: Kermit the Frog here. Swing through <laughs> Metropolis. Is, it's not Metropolis. It's just New York, right? That Spider-Man is in.
1: I, I, I feel like that's something <clears throat> Kermit would say. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um uh you can find me on twitter at the subtle doctor no caps no spaces um and you can talk to me about kermit the frog or uh mobile suit gundam uh or shin godzilla um i'm sure we'll put out some uh questions a call for questions on the war we Just show twitter account which is where you can keep up with all our goings on you can follow us there uh you could uh you know Get on the Discord as I talked about uh, by donating to us at ko-fi.com slash show. That's W A R U I D E S H O U. And uh, but if you you know you don't want to support us financially, that's fine and dandy. Um, there's plenty of things you can do to help us out uh that don't involve your pocketbook, if people know what one of those are still, um, that don't involve your crypto wallet. Uh, You can, you know, uh, follow us on YouTube as well, on Twitch. Um, You can share our stuff, uh, be it through uh, Spotify or Apple Pods, wherever you get our pods. You could uh, rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or, again, your podcast platform of choice. That always helps, particularly the Apple Podcasts reviews. Uh, help our discoverability. Uh, And if you really want to go the extra mile above and beyond, the best thing you could do is find one person in your real life who you think might enjoy our show and tell them about it. Say, Hey, these dudes did this uh, podcast about this anime you watched when we were kids, Video Girl Eye. Check it out. Uh, Or you could say that about Burning or Godzilla Or trigon, or any of the bajillion shows that we have covered on this here podcast. Look, who doesn't love a grumpy British man? Indeed, who doesn't? I clearly no one. The world is run by you people, so (laughs) (laughs) I wonder it's going to shit. (laughs) (sighs) All right, well, I've got football to watch, I've got games to play, you've got an MMO to, to conquer so for now we're going to bid you all adieu everyone thank you so much for listening we'll be back uh in the not too distant future with everyone's favorite giant atomic green lizard but until then he's been on. i am the subtle doctor embrace each other everyone to the ends of the universe
1: good night bring back the brothers